There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Just making me feel This cruising overdrive and tides behind the steering wheel Cause these movies are obscene But I can't stop it from turning in I believe in romance in the pod Speech Mikey Todd is a chance they can make it now, but only if you subscribe to the show. I believe in romance and the pod. Hey, love, and while you're at it, how about writing us a five star review? Maybe if you're lucky, Mike, you'll take one of you to Pound Town, or at least read it on the podcast. Thank you for tuning to Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser, and this week I made you guys watch Emma. Emma. Okay, resume. Now, now we're recording. Now, now it's now go back to berating me for picking this movie, Mikey, <laughs> which I will say is not unjustified. It's two hours <laughs> long. It's PG. It's Jane Austen. I think it's pronounced Austin. I believe Austin. It's not. It's not. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Paige, you'll have my back on this. Todd, this wouldn't be such a problem if you didn't lash out at other people's picks. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Todd has not done that recently. We have lodged a lot of picks for the Cupping Monks, and that has been very nice. I have, I have worked with this man. I have been friends with him for years, but he's like, I've never heard of that movie. Why would we pick that? But then he will. He has picked no shit. Forty five thousand movies he's never seen for this podcast. We've only done one hundred and thirty or so episodes, so that is numerically impossible. <laughs> he's always like, never seen it. Had a good feeling, and I was like, what? But here's my favorite part about it: is it always turns out bad. Badly, and, and yes. so I'm gonna he let it keep learned. happening, he but badly learned. in a way that makes me amused later when I listen to the podcast. I just wanted to pick on him for a minute. I'm not actually mad at him, but it just cracks me up because every time he picks a movie, I was like, "Have you seen this before?" No, and then it's always fucking terrible. This is not even the famous version of Emma. This is like no, this is like, not. And the famous version of Emma is with Gwen Paltrow and sucks. Yeah, that is that. It, well, actually, technically, the famous version of Emma is called Clueless, and Clueless, that's the yes. main reason <laughs> I picked it. But in, it, let me defend myself a little bit, Mikey. First off, I do think a lot of our listeners think that you're mean to me sometimes because they don't understand our relationship dynamic. <laughs> 
Like, I am very much the younger brother. He in this edits out the parts where he's mean. That's Mikey, why you think Mikey, I'm mean. No, Mikey, I'm going to tell you as someone who is present for the podcast <laughs> and then listens to the podcast, you are edited very favorably. Thank you, Paige. Thank you. But I'll say You're this. Welcome. Mikey and I are like brothers. And that's how at least brothers that are raised in the culture that Mikey and I are raised in treat each other. Uh, <laughs> and I've known you a lot longer and I, and like really I work with Paige online mostly. So I oh, don't yeah. feel like no, attacking I mean, that's her fair. all the time. Yeah. Like we see Paige literally <laughs> once a way. year at panic fest <laughs> and Mikey and I, yeah. I mean, we used to see each other a lot more before COVID, but like now, like, but we're like friends as friends, like go to dinner occasionally friends like that. Yeah, kind you of, can, you know. We can have real talk if that makes sense. Okay, yes. okay, but I have I have so many questions. Like one, I actually like Pride and Prejudice. Me like, too. I, I I like Pride and Prejudice. This is not Pride and Prejudice. Let me walk you through how I came to this pick because I am not honestly a fan of Jane Austen, and that's how I will say it the entire episode. Right, sounds good. But I like some of the adata- adaptations of her work. And honestly, when I say I'm not a fan of Joel Austen, know that like 90% of that is because when I was growing up, audiobooks weren't necessarily like a prevalent thing. Like you would have to buy CDs. And Did I'm not gonna you walk read with these books? No, I didn't. That's what I'm saying. I didn't read these books because reading to me as a medium is sort of inaccessible. I read for work and stuff, but outside of that, it's not something I can do to relax, right? Because... A lot of the girls I've dated have loved uh, Jane Austen because that's, you know, pretty common. So I know, like, the story of Pride and Prejudice. I've seen Pride and Prejudice. I've seen Sense and Sensibility. And I like both of those. I had never seen Emma. And <laughs> Sorry, Maisie found a giant stick in the backyard. So you're talking, and she just runs across the window with, like, no shit, a seven-foot-long stick. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please say that sentence again because I did not hear it. I was just saying that a lot of the women I've dated in the past have, like, loved Jane Austen and, like, would say oh, Pride and Prejudice is their favorite. Yeah. And then a lot of them were, like, Emma's my second favorite. And I had watched that. I think it came out in, like, 96. I'm not sure. I saw it probably 12 years ago, but the original movie version of Emma. I never saw with Emma. Gwyneth Paltrow. I never saw Emma. And I yeah. hated that movie. I was like, why did you like this story? And they were like, they did a bad job adapting it. So that's sort of how I ended up picking it because I saw that there was a new version. The online reviews were decent for it. But spoiler alert, I didn't like this movie. Watching this movie, I was like, fuck, they're really going to show this whole song? I know Mikey's going to lose his mind why are they singing the whole song we get the whole song why are they dancing badly again i disliked watching i think i disassociated at some point because <laughs> i don't even recall them singing <laughs> no mikey there's a there's a part where knightley is singing and you're like okay cool he's singing please cut away to something else or do like a reaction shot and end the scene nope. no they hold on them for the full two and a half minutes for the song and i was like mikey's gonna kill me on this episode like there's no <laughs> For this. Every shown musical number where you see someone actually playing something or singing something yeah. is was done live. I'll burn a fun fact. Which is very cool. Like, it's so cool when actors can actually play instruments. But, like, if it slows the story down to a crawl, then, like, what are we doing? Like, the pacing of this movie is oh, terrible. Yeah. The musical part is not... I'm not, I can't even believe I'm defending it. But I mean, like, when it comes to slowing things down, it's the least of our problems. Paige, I can't believe I just heard Mikey say that the musical part of this movie is not his, like, most hated thing about this movie. I'm honestly a little terrified, but that makes me a little happy. Maybe there's a little bit of growth in there towards I like musicals. Uh, uh, no, there was not. <laughs> but I'm just saying, <laughs> okay. It, like, 
It literally is that Eddie Izzard sketch where like British people just stumble into rooms and they're like, oh, hello. Hey. Oh my God, that's on Dress to Kill. Oh my God, you just made a reference that made my life. Like, I love Eddie Izzard, man. She's so great. Okay, I, I hated it. But I, okay, so like, I always, I never read the books. I like okay. cheated in high school. Sure, like, yeah. Hold me to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was written for me personally. No, I, see I mean, why it's not. Some very young women love Jane Austen or whatever. I liked, yeah. and then I eventually dated someone who was like, Pride and Prejudice is good, watch it. And I do, I like me some Mr. I can fuck with Mr. Darcy. Like, oh, yeah. A, like a prickly, a prickly dude who like fucks around. Like He's like nice on the inside, but he's kind of an asshole. Like I got, I got him. <laughs> Actually, if you read the cliff notes, that's his character description. A prickly dude who fucks around. It's been a while <laughs> since I've watched it, but I, I like a prickly, you know, like a kind of an asshole, like, but like a decent heart kind of guy yeah you like the anti-hero i get it i don't think his heart is decent spoiler well i mean we can we can litigate pride and prejudice when we do pride and prejudice <laughs> sure sure i'm gonna partially litigate it when i talk but go ahead yeah i like pride and prejudice too and this movie made me realize <laughs> that i didn't miss like this type of like period piece romantic comedy it made me realize that i wish oscar Wilde had written more of them so we could do more of his stuff like i'm not a fan of this time period movies i'm a fan of Oscar Wilde, if that makes sense. There are good movies set in this time period. Yes. This is not one of them. I would say The Importance of Being Earnest is one of them, though. No. Like, there's also modern <laughs> writing set in this time period that worked pretty well, too. Oh, like Bridgerton. Yeah. And I do think season one of Bridgerton slaps. Like, I watched an hour and 45 minutes for them to finally hold hands on the couch, and I was like... <laughs> <sighs> Mikey, he, the thing that blows me away about this movie is... She is a terrible person for an hour and 45 minutes. And then she does learn and grow largely because Knightley like goes from like friend to like daddy and like yells at her. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, maybe I am a horrible person. Here's my theory on that. Most people under 22 are very insufferable and need someone to yell at them about because like i thought it did a good job of like what is growing up like where yes. you think you're a decent person and you do things but you're not really empathizing or thinking you're like, not putting yourself in their shoes or or seeing things in context especially if you have some of a privileged upbringing oh was she privileged i didn't get that out of this <laughs> They're all privileged. No, I know. It's insane. The poor guy's house is like 10 times bigger than my house. Bro, when they were like, you can't marry him because he's beneath you, I was like, lady, he lives in a mansion. He only owns 100 acres. Yeah. Okay? He only has 4,000 head of sheep. Come on. Like, what? It's insufferable. I mean, it, it's, it's insufferable. I see why we like did a revolution or whatever. This was after Mikey. Was it? Yeah. Yes. No, it all goes. What? year was this, this set? like a hundred plus years after it's in the 1800s yes yeah. <laughs> Jeez, their society really stalled out there for a while huh but mikey you said something in our group message back and <laughs> forth <laughs> that i really want to point that. out and i have to give you credit for okay. it because man it made me you know you'll be like lol but you didn't really laugh but you just found it funny i read your message and uh i laughed out loud so much that natalie was like <laughs> are you okay like, why are you laughing <laughs> in the bathroom? That's weird. I, I made the joke 
that British people invaded every country on Earth because they couldn't stand going home and dealing with their home life. Yes. <laughs> and invented 100,000 wars to do it. I, yeah. I think these particular women that we're spending time with are insufferable, which is part of why I don't like Jane Austen books. Yeah. But, like, there's so many, like, the Bronte sisters, Jane Austen, like, they're all from this time I don't time like period. any of it. I know. This whole like, period, I could, I could leave it. And, and Paige, <laughs> that's why I think this movie made me think to myself, I think I'm just an Oscar Wilde fan and I don't like this time period necessarily. Does that make sense? I thought I like loved yes. and romanticized this time period, but I don't think I do. Mm-mm. And it's not that this movie is bad. Like I, It's bad. Do you just like the layers? <laughs> it's not that this movie is bad. It's just that like, there's a better way to tell this story. Like I, I like the overall arching story. A woman of privilege, you know, she learns and grows and in that falls in love with her stepbrother. Like I'm here for that. <laughs> Clueless has some Victor issues with that. Yeah, as Clueless well. also has issues. I do like brother-in-law, which is what it is in this. Yeah, brother-in-law is way better, right? But I like the the modern retelling of this, and I feel like if they had taken that pacing and that approach, yeah, this movie I would have enjoyed way more. Like she is insufferable for ninety three percent of this movie. I wanted more of her, yeah. like making amends. I don't need a making amends yeah. montage. I need those scenes. Clueless has a a solid. The whole third act yeah. is her making amends. Exactly. Clueless does a better job of that. A hundred percent. You get to the nightly burn, like where she's where he's like, hey, listen, you can't talk to her like that. All of these people look to you to how to treat her, and she is a way lower status. Don't punch down get off my property if you're going to treat people this way yeah like that scene needs to happen 20 minutes earlier and then it's her growing after that and i honestly feel like if they had done that i would have liked it or liked it more i don't know i'm still out (laughs) they were all insufferable i wanted to yell at all of them i don't understand it's not just emma they were all just awful but like okay so with clueless and emma they're both very young people yeah i was a an we were all assholes when we were young. So I'm not going to say Emma's a bad person or Claire. Or, uh, what was the clue? I don't think I ever grew out of it. Cher. It's Cher. Cher. Her oh, name Cher. is Cher. Yeah. Right. You grew. You've grown. Uh, but, so I'm not going <laughs> to say that. But like, that's also like, those are properties that I enjoyed more when I was younger around that time and a little bit older. Like being like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And yeah. I grew out to it. And like, at the older I get, I'm just like, insufferable young people. Like, get off my lawn. You know, I'm just like. I don't need to watch a two and a half hour film about a woman realizing that she's young and kind of a self like self-centered. Like that's everyone. She's no holding cough heel. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't you we can't talk about it. Cause I also <laughs> I love to say things at the end that I know upset Paige like that. No. I love I love a good coming of age story but I just yeah. don't think these British ones are very good I think maybe it's just for a wildly different target audience like there's something about these movies that I do find somewhat charming but like I also hate everyone by default because they're like rich and oblivious to the suffering around them and the books don't even focus on that like the author never focuses on anyone who's below a social status of has a mansion and well, farm okay. but is shit on by the super elites right okay I, I gotta find I gotta interject Do like it, I've, I've been biding my time these books are all written as fucking satire and no one fucking remembers that and oh. it drives me fucking nuts oh my god I legit oh my. didn't know that though Paige like I had ne- I've I never know. heard that yeah. I know that makes me feel way better and I, that makes me honestly love her dad character Bill Nighy in this movie 
because he is a man on a mission to find a draft in his house, and I am happy to go with him on that journey. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he is kind of my favorite character in this yes, movie. Yes, he's the comedy in the movie. So here's my thing. I, I am not a fan of, of Jane Austen books or really a lot of the this type of literature from this period. I'm not going to stand here and say it's bad. That's not what I'm saying. It's just not for me. I have very little interest in it. I've never been a fan, have tried and failed to read much of it. I, I have read, read some of it, but I just didn't enjoy it. Sure. That said, most of these are written as an indictment of the behavior of the period, deliberately. And some people who read them and enjoy them understand that. And that's why they like reading them. And if that is you, I have no quarrel with you. We are fine. <laughs> Go your merry way. But if you like these unironically, let's fight. <laughs> no, because a million and a half women treat them as romantic ideals. And that's never what they were intended to be. And they fucking shouldn't be because a lot of these people are shitty people because it's a fucking satire. So whenever people are like, I'm just waiting for my Mr. Darcy. Oh, you're waiting for a guy to tell you that you're too poor? Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Aspire to wait for someone who enjoys your company. Motherfuck. I, it drives me nuts. I don't know those stories enough to know if there are some, like, positive relationship sort of values that you can get from them. But, like, I'll say that when Nike talks to her like she's a real person, but, like, sets that boundary of, like, you cannot treat people this way. You mean nightly? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You do want someone who will, like, be honest with you about who you are, right? And the way you affect people. I like Knightley Me too. much more than I've ever liked Darcy. I find Darcy borderline <laughs> intolerable. <laughs> I know. He's great. But in, the, in this movie, in, in this story, there are a lot of people who are like, I'm kind of the matchmaker among my friends. No, you're in everyone else's business and you're yes. machinating everyone and you don't actually listen to people. Like there are so many people who misidentify with characters that are not intended to be good characters. Tyler. Durden. I mean, that is, yeah, hey. <laughs> the cult in Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, the cult yeah. in Midsummer. Uh, this is not the only story or whatever in which this is the case. This is just one that I find particularly frustrating. Oh, yeah. And it's the one we're talking about. Yeah. And in part, also, I, I like romance novels. Now, granted, I definitely skew more porn sexual uh, <laughs> with my literature. Yeah. Which is why, wish Oscar Wilde had written more, that dude would have had Me orgies too. all over the place. It would have been great. Fuck, it's a shame the UK government killed him because he was a homosexual. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's also part of why I actually enjoy Bridgerton because I don't enjoy many of the adaptations. The one that I can tolerate is the Pride and Prejudice from 2005. That one, I because it's paced well, yeah. it's made well. I'm like, I can oh, at least- Oh, the Kira Knightley one? Yeah, I'm like, I can at least sit through this one. I like that one. But That's I don't love one. it. I've dated two or three girls and that was like their favorite movie so I've had to watch it a few times I worry about anyone who that's their favorite movie because I'm like I need to talk to you about why we are no longer dating <laughs> but I can see why they liked me based on their perception of Mr. Darcy oh yeah I can definitely see you dating a girl who's like Mr. Darcy's my favorite oh, <laughs> I, wonder, I, I actually do wonder I want the listeners to assign each of us a Jane Austen character that we are most uh, like I, I think want that's a great know. idea I would love that pages Emma <laughs> 
<laughs> Paige is not a matchmaker. She's not that kind of person. I am sorry. I That's the only female character of Jane Austen I remember the name of right now. I apologize. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't think you should say that. I think you just got 10 times the amount of replies than you would have gotten now. <laughs> I don't know. Don't. I will not read or respond to any of them. I'm setting the precedent now. <laughs> well, I want to know what I am. I want to know what Mikey is. I was thinking more like a Facebook group post, not DMs. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get DMs. This is why I'm saying it now. Do not DM me about Paige, this. the beautiful thing is I get DMs too. I don't have time to look through them. So I, if you DM me, I'm not going to see it. So like yeah. Facebook group post is probably the best way to get my attention or Discord. But for me, the reason why Bridgerton works is A, paste decent. Oh yeah, way better than this. Well, I'm not going to say it's better than this. I would say that, you know, Jane Austen is famous for a reason. Like I'm not referring to the book at all. I've never read the book. I'm just saying the movie is not paste. Oh, the well. books are definitely not better. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm I have read almost <laughs> all the Bridgerton books. Oh, I didn't even realize Bridgerton was a book series holy shit yes i'm so sorry I, I thought we were talking about the show it's my bad i was talking about the show the reason oh, the show okay. works sorry. sorry because the books are not that great the reason the show works it's almost like someone was like well how could we make page like jane austen i think bridgerton works because it's like a modern lens on that time period and i think that works a lot better people have realer conversations and realer sex but like also that also definitely happened back then they just don't yes, write good books yes, or movies. They're just not writing the reason bridgerton works for me is paced fast with rock music in the background yeah and then people are boning like if if bridgerton made this movie the wedding at the end would happen 40 minutes in and then we'd watch people bang for 30 minutes <laughs> it'd be great it's the pacing and and my frustration is really with people misunderstanding what these stories are for. And something that I think Clueless excels at is that like when you watch Clueless, it truly is like a look how ridiculous these rich people are. Yeah, that really comes across. It doesn't come across so much in this movie. No, this is it, this is almost treated as spectacle of like, look how beautiful their lives are. It really is, yeah. It seems like escapism porn in some way of like, yes. this is what the richest life is like. Isn't it so extravagant? And I'm like, yeah, they look like terrible people. I think a lot of people get into this era of literature, A, because they, they probably end up reading it in schools. So like, I'm sure yeah, you're you, forced to a lot, honestly. A lot of people get forced to, a lot of people get exposed to it that way. But I think sometimes people get really into it because it's this elevated form of life. It's this idea of like, what if my life was opulent? What if people were forced to treat me in society with some measure of grace or dignity that I don't get in my everyday life? Like, what if society dictated that they had to be nice to me? But that's because everyone is picturing themselves as the main character who is of a class that is not everybody like and even oh, they me, have difficulties you know i watched this movie i pictured myself as like the driver who's like all oh, these fucking people <laughs> like when the guy's like stop the carriage or whatever <laughs> mikey would be like this motherfucker like slowing down the horses like yeah you are gonna walk not gonna act like that in my carriage <laughs> i can picture todd and i putting that giant screen up leaving the room and be like no they were totally making out in front of her dad because that we put that screen up 
What would have happened is I would have handed you one shilling because you would have won that bet. You know what I'm saying? Like we would have been betting on if they were going to end up making out or not. A hundred percent. I think what I hate the most about this movie is I love Bill Nighy and I feel like he is criminally underused in this film. Every time you see him, it's a 10 out of 10 for me, but you only see him four or five times. A hundred percent. He doesn't talk. I, I thought he's going to sit down next to her when she was upset and he's going to have his like, his like, nope. you know, his modern moment where he has nope. that heart to heart talk in a movie. Yeah. She doesn't ever have, I mean, it's not really a heart to heart, but like that kind of conversation comes from nightly, but it's through just like scolding her about treating people badly. Right. But like, yeah. man, but I wanted her dad to do it in like a more of an empathetic, like he, he does that in every film he's in as an older man now yes. where he turns to the main character and sets his shit straight. That never happens in these kinds of movies though, because like aside from our main characters, most people in these stories are unemotional stereotypes, like nine times out of 10. Yeah. So like there, there really isn't that kind of, and that is a more modern thing of like an emotional connection in that way. Yeah. I guess, but no one realizes that they would be the people in the background of these stories. They're emphasized. And and here's the thing. People do that with every story. Like, yeah, if you think I'm not reading romance novels and casting myself as the lead every time, that's how people read books. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about these is that I don't think they were ever intended to be what people perceive them as now like Bridgerton is is intended to be what people wish a lot of these books were yeah which is why I find it a lot more accessible I think it's also written in a way that's way more accessible but le- that's largely because language has changed over time and stuff like that oh yeah <laughs> and, and if, if you're referring to the books they are written not great <laughs> they're only okay the the one with Penelope and Colin is my by far my favorite but even that one is Okay. Yeah. And when I saw that it was rated PG, I was like, fuck you, Todd. At best, I'm going to get a kiss out of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that one girl, Mia Goth? Yes. Yes. You mean the one girl whose every day Emma wakes up and just says, how can I fuck up Harriet's life more today? That's like the only thing Emma does. She's already a virgin who can't drive. (laughs) I mean, in her defense, she literally had nothing else to do. Oh, you mean Emma? Yes. This is what we talked about in our in our text thread where we were like, I can't figure out what people do all day except change outfits. So <laughs> and she's in kind of a small town. So I could see it like I'm going to try to get so and so to marry so and so because I'm that bored. I think that's what it is. I honestly think that's what it is. I mean, literally, Emma just wakes up. Someone puts on her clothes for her. And then she thinks to herself, how can I fuck up someone's life today? And that's she goes and does that. That's like the movie. That's pretty much my life, except I dress myself. (laughs) Right. I was just thinking the other day that we hadn't done Clueless on this show. We haven't. We've been saving it. Yeah. But the only way this movie made sense to me was so 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, fuck, is this Clueless? And then Googled Clueless Emma. And I was like, it is Clueless. Thank God. Because otherwise I was having trouble following it. Yeah. Is Sense and Sensibility a different movie property? Yes. Yes. Because they use those words in this film. And I was like, oh, is this the book Sense and Sensibility? No, it's not. There's a book called Emma? Yes. I feel like this is like her worst book. Probably. A lot of people have it as their second or third best Jane Austen experience. Pride and Prejudice is definitely the most famous and the one that the that most people like. I don't hate this one as far as just general story goes. I think it really depends on your adaptation. This adaptation really, really played toward people who read the book, clearly. Because there's like... 
huge sections of things that they just never fucking explain. And if you haven't read the book, you're like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like, thank God I realized a couple minutes in, I was like, oh, it's clueless. Fuck. All right. Then I could like place people. I gotcha. This makes me want to watch the Gwyneth Paltrow one because like, I think she's really brilliant casting in that kind of role. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it is pretty accurate. Yeah, I do think Gwyneth Paltrow, especially at that time, I mean, that was like yeah. early, like, like Shakespeare in Love Time. Yeah, I don't have a problem with period films. It's It's just these particular ones. What's your favorite period film? Probably Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Tale of Two Sisters. (laughs) I think my no joke is the importance of being earnest. I love it. Do you mean from this period or just in general? Oh, I thought from this time period. Sorry. That's the way I interpreted the question. Is that not what you meant? I mean this period, I guess, of time. Okay. I think I gravitate toward older period or more war period like if like if i'm yeah if i'm trying to think of like the period film i've probably watched most in my life is troy (laughs) like (laughs) troy is fire i do love it yeah as much as we all mad this movie like meh this movie do you want to go through it scene by scene sure let's get through it so we open on a title card that says emma woodhouse handsome clever and rich had lived 21 years with very little to vex her so already the movie is setting us up with and and that is i believe a quote from the book it's got to be right it's setting us up as like this is a girl who has had a very privileged uncomplicated life yeah uh she's pretty she's smart and she's got money yeah and nothing standing in her way so like here's what's gonna happen which if you're looking at this at satire is basically like this is what most of you rich people look like so if you're seeing in her a lack of self-awareness look inward yeah (laughs) so anyway we watch her get up pick flowers and meet her governess in the hall who is getting married and moving out. And she has married her off to someone slightly older in the community. I like that guy. Yeah, yeah I li- he seems very nice and sweet to her. I-, I think the analog for this in Clueless is the teachers. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But this scene feels, I don't know, it feels weird to me because she is very sweet to the governess. She's like... She says something that is very, very kind. Like, you are pretty much a Mm. mother to me. I realize you'll still be close, but... Are you referring to the heavy lesbian overtones in this film? Because there are many. Okay. Mm. I was Mm -hmm. gonna Mm -hmm. get to that. So I'm glad that you saw that too, and I'm not just crazy. Okay, good. Anyway, unmissable. Unmissable. (laughs) Yeah, okay, good. I thought that was just normal slumber party things. Oh, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. There... There are some heavy lesbian overtones in this film. And I was like, was this intentional? Is this like, what's going on? Either way, I was super here for it. But I'm just saying like her and Harriet probably stay really close friends throughout the rest of their life. You know what I'm saying? It's not just her and Harriet. Well, yeah, her and Harriet, but also her and the governess. Like this scene too. I was like. Yes, Paige. I saw it some too. And throughout the movie, there's anyway, it's clear that she really does love the governess, whether it's a romantic love or a, you know, feels like a familial love. Right. Like either way, it is a very sweet scene. She's like, thank you for everything you've done for me and all that stuff coming from Emma to the governess, which I thought was sweet. And then literally for the next hour and 40 minutes, she is nothing but clueless about her station and where she fits into other people's lives and how her actions impact other people. It's like she displays sort of an emotional awareness at the very beginning that she never displays 
displays again until she grows at the end for the last 10 minutes of the movie. Here was my question is, is this an emotional awareness? Because like, oh, you think she's like a sociopath? No, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> I think she perhaps because of the societal structures at play does not understand that perhaps she favors women. Oh, sure. And, yeah. and again, this could just be an unintentional thing in the movie. But in this conversation with the governess, she starts it as like, I love you and I can't believe that you're leaving. And it's like, yeah, you are like a part of me. And you're just like, are they breaking up? Like, what's happening? <laughs> Well, and it's not like the governess looks substantially older or anything. Like you would no, think they're like, like in some of the other movies that have this type of situation, the governess is like in her this 60s. This is an old governess. Right? Yeah. yeah this yeah, governess yeah. is maybe 28 at most. And yeah, Emma's 21. Most. So it's like, that isn't crazy to me. Right. No, I got a weird vibe off of this one. And I was like, uh, mm, maybe not. And then the longer it went with her relationship with Harriet, I was like, this has to be intentional, right? Paige, there's a scene later in this movie where she says, I'm keeping her for myself. I'm keeping her like, for myself. That, yes. And th that was the moment where I was like, oh, oh, that that could be like a really cool spin on this. And they don't do it. But like, it could have been cool if she was like, oh, maybe I fancy women. I felt like because I had already started to like vibe with it before that line came. Oh, sure. I mean, the, the seeds are planted before that. Yeah. Uh, in part, because at a certain point, you're like, it makes a little more sense it, from a if she's straight, it makes more sense in Clueless where it's like, yes, mm -hmm. she's the new girl at their school. They're, you know, they're showing her the ropes. They're trying to be nice. This is what Cher views as her altruism of like, I'm being nice to this girl. So I'm a good person. Right. And I think that's what it probably is in the book, Emma. Uh, how that's per portrayed but kind of what we see in this movie and we'll get to it in just a second is that like Harriet's a girl at a local school like a boarding school like a boarding school not one that Emma attends Emma's out of school so like why are they so close maybe it's like a finishing school so maybe they're closer in age maybe she's 17 18 or whatever and Emma's 21 but like why has she chosen her why are they so close and I'm pretty sure in the book it's her being like this is a girl that needs help and this is how I'm altruistic you know sure kind of like she says like you know are they poor enough for me to feel pity on them and do things for them or are they poor enough for me not to associate with man that was nuts that whole conversation I was yeah. like oh my god Emma's terrible yeah <laughs> Uh, but and this might come from it being kind of really playing to the the people who've read the book and have a better understanding of it sure if you haven't read it or at least have not recently read it i just found myself being like i mean everyone else sees this right <laughs> like <laughs> anyone else watching this movie through a 2020 lens when it was made i think it was unintentional like a nightmare on Elm Street 2 situation? No, I, I don't think, I think that, that was intentional. unintentional. Yeah, I think that was intentional. <laughs> Definitely yeah. intentional. I yeah. think this was unintentional because everything else in the movie doesn't work. And I this can't be the one thing they accidentally got right. 
<laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. We are definitely trying to write this onto a bad movie because we want it to be <laughs> yes. better than it is. Yes. Okay. And I've been accused of that before. But like, yes, I was like weirded out by that first scene and that and that thing. But I was like, you know what? No, because I haven't felt romance for anyone else. They obviously just have no idea what they're doing with this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> here's what I will just say though. If you're listening to this episode and you saw this movie and you're like, yeah, it did seem coded as queer and I'm not sure why uh you're not alone we also all kind of got that vibe yeah there you go I don't know if it was intentional but like I didn't feel any romance until like they danced at the last 15 minutes and I was like oh I guess they like each other yeah and that's what drove me nuts because like here's the thing I like him oh yeah and honestly I feel like he could do way better it's gonna sound very chauvinistic but I wish (laughs) it was in his the whole thing was in his perspective where he like accidentally falls in love with his neighbor who's kind of a bitch and then he has to deal with that for two hours okay then you actually might like some of the Bridgerton books (laughs) anyway The other weird part of this that does not really make sense until her sister comes to visit is when Bill Nye is like, it's terrible that she's getting married. It's terrible that she's going away. He doesn't ever want anyone to leave the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, what kind of fucked up? Like, what is these are adults? (laughs) Like, come on. And then later when you realize what a hypochondriac he is, then you're like, oh, I understand. And then the sister is just as crazy. And I was like, this is not happening enough in this film. Like, I need more of these fucking crazy people. <laughs> I honestly wanted her brother-in-law and sister and their kids, obviously, to stay the rest yeah. of the film. Because, Same. first off, yes. the, the lady who plays her sister, yes. I've seen her in other stuff and is great. She's not really great, great. in this because she's not asked to do a whole lot. Right. But, man, when she was there, she crushed it. And I loved the relationship between her brother-in-law and her dad. Because... Like oh, anytime yeah. someone brings up the sister's wedding, he's like, it was a terrible day. It's a terrible day. Yeah. Like, ter- terrible day. In front day. of her, her husband. Like, just like, he's so funny. I love it so much. I also love, and we don't get it here. We get it more later where his hypochondria extends to other people yeah. where he's just like, we've got to leave. Who, who knows if he'll even last the carriage ride? And he's like, I'm fine. When Elton says it's snowing outside and they all lose their fucking minds because they know their dad's going to have <laughs> so to like leave immediately. I lost my shit. Like there are moments in this movie that really work. I just think overall it doesn't work for me. You know, nightly really works for me. Yeah. Bill Nye is, he knocks out of the park. No, no, no. He's in nightly. Oh, the, sorry. The romantic lead. <laughs> nightly. Nightly. I'm so sorry. Their names nightly, are similar. Nightly the actor, nightly the mister. The love interest for Emma. The love interest for Emma. So sorry. I think casting is great. I do really like him in this. I think he does a great job. He is not given much to do except stare a lot of the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Until the last like 20 minutes. Yeah, and and in the last 20 minutes, I did feel the chemistry in the last 20 minutes. And I was like, where was this for the last hour and a half? The first hour and a half, he really does just wander around the background of scenes until he asks her friend to dance because he knows her feelings are hurt. And then I was like, he's such a nice dude. He is such a nice dude. Like, he clocks the only, like, woman that's, like, not taken, right? Let me help her out because she obviously would like to be dancing or whatever. You know, it's not like a romantic thing for him. He's just, like, being a nice guy. Yeah. Well, and, like, once I clocked who people were yeah are clueless yeah then i knew it was going to be him him the whole like he was going to be the guy although that is telegraphed from early on that <laughs> it, it is, gonna is be him. which i don't mind necessarily largely because i've already seen clueless and i know you know like so right but i so i'm like okay now that i know it's him now i'm just waiting around 
for for anything any spark of anything and then when it finally happens it's really good but then it's over and you're just like man bridgerton would have like two more episodes of them fucking outside (laughs) (laughs) like anyway we get to the church for this wedding and it's a very cool like mint green and like a slightly darker green church and i was digging it that church was cool yeah it was <laughs> very much loved the color story and the aesthetic the sets were very nice in this film they were the sets were nice i want to say that it got nominated for costumes and a couple other things which I would say it deserves. And they did a bunch of the crazy hair pieces from the time, which are accurate. Churchill, I think, says something about like, what is she doing with her hair? I've never seen anyone wear it like that. I, I was talking about Emma's hair, but also right, okay, okay, Elton's yeah. wife's hair is a fucking monstrosity. And I'm I, here for every second yes. of it. That deserves to be clomping down the runway at RuPaul's Drag Race. And no one can tell me differently. We restarted Drag Saturdays. So like I went to my friend's place right. last night. We ordered food and like watched the first episode of the season. Of you RuPaul's ordered Drag your Race. one slice of pizza. So great. Yes. We did have pizza. I did have two slices and a slice of cheesy bread. It was delicious. But... Elton's wife in this movie is my favorite character in this movie because she is always terrible 100% of the time. And she is always dressed in a way that makes her look a little crazy. Like the first time Mm -hmm. you see her. Oh, she's full on bonkers. Yes, but the actress already has sort of a long neck. It's not uncomfortably long, but they make it through her wardrobe really stand out. She looks like a peacock. They make it stand out because I recognized her and, and I couldn't place her initially. And so like after the movie, I went and looked up what she she was in and she had an, a like a season arc on outlander <laughs> and i was yeah. just like oh my god that is her anyway so they they go through a wedding it's a very cute wedding uh and then following the wedding there there's kind of like a reception after and everyone's talking about like well maybe frank churchill will surprise us who is the groom's only son yes but like grown son who has taken on his uncle's name and been adopted by his uncle in order to inherit their fortune. Yes, the uncle's fortune. The uncle's fortune. And and it seems like the uncle had no children of his own, and that's kind of... Yes, this would happen if the heir apparent didn't have any children with their spouse right. or whatever, but they had a brother. The inheritance would either fall to the brother, unless the brother was also advanced in age, and then it would fall to his first right. male son. And that's what's happened there. Right. So in my mind, they were like a duke or something. They, they had control over a lot of land and they had a lot of renters or whatever right yeah so they were responsible for those people and those rents and and that's sort of how they maintained their insanely lucrative lifestyle right which nightly is as well yes and and we will find out we haven't met nightly yet in this we'll meet him in just a bit nightly is emma's sister's husband's younger brother yeah who has control over the family estate essentially so he is also similarly rich i would say yeah i think churchfield is a little or church hill i think is a little bit more rich than everyone else like they sort of seem him they seem to hold him at a higher esteem if you will but it's they're all sort Mm -hmm. of playing on like that one percent level whatever you know right so uh they're like "Eh, he might not come he said he would but he wouldn't And at this point, I noticed that everyone's collars are fucking out of bounds. (laughs) They are on their faces. And and here's the thing. Because I watch Bernadette Banner's YouTube videos, I know that that is probably very accurate. It just looks nuts. Yeah. So, like, 
I can't fault them for it. They're doing the right thing, but it still looks crazy. It, it makes does. everyone look like they have no neck. It's wild. <laughs> it is madness. That is so funny. You're right, though. It does. They look rather necklace. Yeah, it's crazy. We cut to someone riding on a horseback, then undressing. We get a shot of butt. And I was like, we do even PG. All right. Full on All right. male butt in a PG movie. Nice butt. But it's the guy who plays nightly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's not in a sexual context. It's not. He's just changing. Oh, you mean when four men dress him in the morning? Implying <laughs> that this film is coded queer in a way that we have not. Yeah. No, it's coded very opulently. It is. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, I thought it was really funny when I was watching this with Natalie. She was like, when the scene starts, it like kicks off and he's like naked within the first five seconds of the yeah. scene. And she was like, oh, that's that guy from this whatever. And then he gets <laughs> she dressed. She recognized his butt. Let me finish, Paige. It gets worse. Uh, so <laughs> he gets dressed and then walks out and walks down the hallway and you get actually like more close up of his face. And she's like, yeah. oh, it's not that guy. <laughs> so she tried to identify someone by their butt. I'm just saying that this dude has a butt double out there and doesn't know it. And I think we should have a website where you can go and find different celebrity male butts that look alike. Well, I mean, this is like when I had to identify people by shirtless torso. Yes. Well, and like when you made Mikey identify people by their teeth. Yes. I'm very good at that. There are people who who I can identify by butt, I think. Natalie's not so great at it. She can find one that's similar, though. Similar, yeah, yeah. So he redresses and refuses to take his carriage and walks over to the her house has a name. It's like my brain says Haddonfield, but that's Halloween. Yeah, that's not right. Although I'm fine if we call it that the whole the whole time. But all of their estates have names because they're rich as shit. Like. Most estates like that, even today, still like have names. Still have names. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I call my apartment. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I don't. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so she hears somebody coming basically through the doors and sits down to play harpsichord because she thinks that it's going to be this dude. Like or the the Churchill, Churchill. guy, like yeah. that's who she's expecting and wanting to see. Yeah, like the first half of this movie, we're like all expecting to see Churchill. Like, there's a lot of build up to Churchill, yeah. right? And this is part of that build up to it. She's just really excited to meet this guy because that's who th- she thinks she should end up with. Yeah, that's who yeah. she thinks she should marry. But yeah, it's just nightly, and she's just like, "Oh, you? Who gives a shit?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do think that they telegraph pretty early on that nightly is interested in her romantically because. He walks over there. Yeah, and that he's mega duper rich. What Can we do a romantic movie where the people aren't hugely rich? And it's hundreds of years of writing books about hugely rich men creeping on you. Like, is this... Paige, explain it to me. I mean, as someone who, who does not identify with these books easily, I struggle. Um, but I think it's two things. I think it's one just security in general because for many many years women did not even have the capability to be financially secure like that is just within society that was not afforded to them and so even now when we do have that capability it does always sit in the back of your mind will i always be able to because at any given point history has robbed us of that so i think that is a fear that a lot of people have And I think that plays into it. I think there's also an element of being wanted and desired in a very demonstrable way that is not often borne out in our modern dating interactions. And so it's not necessarily rich as much as it is 
someone who would formally and without question pick you. Oh, because they could have anybody. Because they could have anybody. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. Sorry to interrupt, Todd. Please continue. Yeah, no worries. I'm just like, this is Fifty Shades level rich. And he's like, oh, me, my mansion? I don't even keep up with it. There's like a gallery in one of the rooms. One thing I do sort of like about this, though, is she's also super fucking rich. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, so she like, doesn't give a the shit. The way they talk about him is like, oh, but he's really rich. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, you're really rich. Yeah, but I do think that, and Paige, correct me if I'm wrong, but under my sort of understanding of that time period, when her father di- dies, she is sort of fucked a little bit too, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she wouldn't get that money, I assume. I don't know, though. It would go to whoever her like closest male relative right. is, and that person would be her ward. Or she would be that person's ward. So, like, right. they would pay for ever. Like, she, will, she would probably, at her social standing, she is A, very marriageable. So, people are going oh, to be yeah. trying to marry her no matter what because she's got money. Yeah. And they want to inherit that money. Uh, but B, if she for some reason did not get married before her do- her father passed, whoever took over for her would either marry her or marry her off to someone very quickly. Her day-to-day needs would probably never be in question. Sure. However, this movie does have a character, and I don't remember her name, but it's the lady who talks too much, who I love that actress. Her name is Miranda Hart. She is fantastic. Yes, uh, she's fantastic, and I love her in Spy, a movie yes. that we can't fit into either of our shows, yeah. but I just love. Her character is, I believe, a widow, and because there was no family money, and there's not necessarily somebody to inherit and take care of her, um, or, there's something, something in place, somebody is taking care of her a little bit, but because they don't have the societal structure in place that Emma does, that's why she's poor. She was of the elite status of Emma, like she yeah. rolled with that crowd, but once her husband died, she's shit out of luck. She's probably honestly living off the generosity of the, the friends she made during the time when she was sustaining her own lifestyle with, through her husband's money, I guess, at that level. Yeah, very much. Because she would not likely be able to directly inherit it. Um, now, the other thing to think about. Within the context of society at this time, as a woman, because you are still kind of property, yeah, mm-hmm. there is a worth attached to who you marry, who wants to marry you, who is willing to pay for your dowry, who is willing to do whatever. Right. And these stories often isolate who is the like bachelor to catch, who is the most worthy. Oh, yeah. Or at least whose marriage would attach the most worth to you. Which would be Churchill in this movie, right? Like that's, I think, why she cares and why she wants to be with him. It could be Churchill, but Knightley is similarly rich. Yeah. And is depicted as kind. So, like, Churchill is kind of a mystery person. Yes. Uh, it, what is kind of surprising to me is that more people aren't going after Knightley. I mean, some people are, but, like, that. But that's a part of this, too, and why people are so into it is, like, it boosts your own self-worth to picture yourself as the person picked by the most worthy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely it does. That, I think, is why a lot of people gravitate towards stories. Like this? Like this. Yeah. Anyway, 
So I think Knightley is hanging out with her and her dad, A, because I think maybe he likes her. Maybe, you know, he is he is the Paul Rudd character. But I also think they're his family and they're the closest. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I, so I think it's like, you know, if your mom lived two doors down, how often would you be there for dinner? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of like that, I think, because they do almost always have dinner together. He's there. He's around all the time. He lives walking distance from them. Yes. So I think that's why he's always there. And I do think he likes her. I, I do. I do. I think it's I think he as he's gotten older, he's like, I just want to I want to spend more time with her, too. Maybe. I think it's probably like clueless where he is intrigued by her and finds her interesting and they are friendly. And it's not until she kind of starts her own transformation. Yeah. That he's truly like, I like you. Now, this movie definitely paints it a little earlier. Yeah, I think I thought this movie telegraphs that he's like in love with her from the jump. I think it does, too. The movie goes out of its way to set up that him walking to her is a gesture in and of itself, right? Um, through like a little bit of dialogue as he's leaving his uh -huh. own house. So that's why I, th I thought maybe they're telegraphing that even all the way this, this early. Anyway, he gets there and she's... This for me telegraphed it because she's like, we wanted to meet Mr. Churchill, but he didn't show up. And he's like, who doesn't show up to their father's wedding? He's an asshole. Like he immediately writes him off. And I do think that potentially they knew each other previously in society and he didn't like him. And so this is kind of like he's like, I know that guy. He's an asshole. I mean, it was sort of like um, I keep waiting to hear of his accomplishments or anything that he's actually done. And I haven't like everything someone says yeah. about him is really he was there when someone else did something or whatever. Like he's not a very impressive right. person. He's just rich is sort of the thing. And Knightley's like, right. I'm fucking rich. Yeah. So he's not impressive to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit. I sort of got that. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is broken up by seasons. Kind of. It is. Yeah. We go through autumn. One of the um, weakest Christmas scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> when the Christmas thing sort of happens, even though it's sort of like downplayed, I was like, man, Christmas Mikey is not going to like this at all. <laughs> He's going to be yeah, very no. upset by this movie. I hope they don't sing for three minutes later. But in autumn, this is where Emma finds out about Harriet, that she's new in town. Yes. Uh, and no one knows who her parents are. What are three other things about her? <laughs> I love John Mulaney. It's so funny. Yeah. Nobody knows. Uh, they're just like, I don't know. She's an orphan. Ooh. And anyway, so Emma immediately invites her over to be like, so you're an orphan. Let me set you up with somebody. Yeah. Uh, and she immediately is like talking about the farm family that she previously stayed with, that it's implied that Knightley kind of set her up with where it was like, she doesn't have any parents. Yeah. These people are willing to take her in. And he, she can kind of work her way through society with some respectability despite not having parents because that's like a big deal at the time. Yeah, I, I wonder if it was like Knightley playing matchmaker himself a little bit. So sort of doing the a same sort of thing that Emma is doing too, right? And then maybe um, the guy that she actually does end up with, that Harriet ends up with, I forget his name. The Breckenmeyer, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that guy was Knightley's pick for Harriet and Elton was Onion Taylor Joy's pick for Harriet and that's why they con <laughs> they have a little conflict you know we should I don't know if we've ever left it in an episode for why we call her Onion Taylor Joy it is not anything Blame against Trixie her Mattel. it's not that we don't yeah. like her it is it is because Trixie Mattel once identified herself as Onion Taylor Joy and we have laughed about it ever since 
Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever left that in before, but I know it's been in a few yeah. like <laughs> like four or five it's, raw yeah, we've recordings. We've talked about yeah. it a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I do think because when he talks later about her proposal from the the guy on the farm, Robert, I believe Martin is his name. Yeah. He basically says he's like, look. Nobody knows who her parents are. She needs to secure something so that she can have a safe, stable life. Yeah. And he is kind to her and likes her and is pretty well to do as far as farmers go. He's set up. He's like one of the farmers on my like thing. I know she'll be safe and cared for there is essentially what he's getting at. Yeah. And Emma who does not understand much of the world outside of being a rich lady is just like, no, she should be with this rich guy and not realizing that she is kind of pushing her into a lot of these things that are not going to work out and are just going to upset her emotionally. Right. I mean, she does put Harriet through a lot in this movie. Like she is a terrible friends to her in this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is the same as Cher and Ty yeah. in Clueless, yeah. you know, it's almost like these, these things are based on each other. I wonder which one was written first. This one. <laughs> anyway, in this first scene where Mia Goth is at her house, she's talking about the experience she had with the farmer where she was like, I loved it there. Like the family yeah. was so nice to me. They were super kind. He one time he walked three miles just to bring me walnuts because I liked walnuts. Like, yeah, you know, like they, they sent sweet. me a beautiful goose. Like it's all it's just super sweet where it seems like all this dude ever did was try to make her happy. <laughs> Yeah, like all this guy did was like be in love with her. Like it's so, <laughs> yeah. so sweet. Like, and we don't really see Mr. Martin. I think is his name. We don't really see him very we much him in this times. movie. Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't really say a lot. But I was gonna say in the scene where we see him, they're at the haberdashery together, and his sisters are talking to her like, "We miss you so much. Will you please come yeah. back and see us or whatever." And you can see on his face, he's like so hurt, and like oh. it's just so like. He does a good job, even though he has like four lines in this whole movie. He got like four lines and he wears some crazy hats. People, <laughs> the headwear, the headwear. This movie made me set a rule for myself and is that I will never run in a top hat. It looks so <laughs> ridiculous. It looks mad. It's crazy. When he's like running after her carriage, I was like, this looks nuts. But uh, Robert Martin, the, the farmer guy, occasionally wears a top hat but it just seems to sit on top of his head yeah. not like on his head that's a crazy look um but also <laughs> he got them shoulders like girl he got them working in the fields shoulders <laughs> the guy who plays that character i've seen in a bunch of other stuff mainly sex education he's in that show on a Netflix. bunch of people in this are also in sex education. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I recognized oh, him. Okay. And he's honestly really good in that show, but he just doesn't, he's not asked to do a whole lot here. So he doesn't get a lot of lines. But yeah. even like his reactions to stuff are really good. Yeah. I said most of the actors in this show are not asked to do a lot. That is true. It's a it, lot of staring and longing and long shots of very pretty buildings or landscapes. You know, for a, a movie called Emma, I really feel like they focused on that character too much. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm just calling back to our autobiography joke from the Friday the 13th episode. <laughs> God. That's, I'm not going to lie to you. That was probably like my favorite episode recorded in a while. Like, well, it, was it was so, so funny. It was so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 40 minutes into the edit right now, and it's stellar, man. It's so good. I fully understand and admit that that's my I've never been to space moment. Fuck. <laughs> it, was so, it was so funny. Paige. I was so caught off guard. But Paige, what, why I love having you on the podcast is because you just rolled with it and it became a bit you know like it wasn't like a thing of shame it was like fuck no, let's make fun of this stupid thing it's genuinely funny it yeah, was a really exactly. stupid yeah. thing to say but I can fully admit how stupid it was and it <laughs> makes me laugh well yeah because you weren't ready to like word it like that but it came off like that and it was just so yeah what, what I meant was that like I feel like this dude is juicing his own story is what uh, I meant yes. but, what, <laughs> yeah. but, but what it was like I mean his book's mostly it's a lot about him I mean, it's an autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I do feel like we get it's, it's really just Emma and the way she moves throughout the world. So a lot of the other characters we don't get a lot from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Harriet is just like, you were so wonderful with me. And then this she's like, what do you think of them? And Emma's like, I don't because they're not poor enough to me for me to be sad about, but they're not rich enough to be my friends. And you're just like. <laughs> Damn. Which is yeah. insane for someone who has some, like, her day consists of just having someone dress her and then fucking other people's lives up. She has time to help out. I think this scene is definitely like, Emma's not a good person right now. She's going to grow throughout the course of this movie, but stick with us because right now she's terrible. Well, I this is one of those lines that I found really, really interesting because I feel like, yes, the people above and below you, but I think the people directly below you are sometimes unseen. And here's why. Hear me out. If you are struggling, like, hey, you're comfortable or whatever, but you're not rich. Like, you're paycheck to paycheck, but you're getting by. Bills are paid or whatever. You're making it. You can look out on the street and be like, there's a person sleeping in a tent. Clearly, that person is, you know, way worse off than me and need my help. Like, I understand that. Mm -hmm. And I understand that there are people who are making more than me. But the people that you miss are the people who are like around you and have the appearance of being like you but are struggling. Like you see the person in the tent, but maybe you don't see the person that works in your office that sleeps in their car. Like that to me, I think is the interesting mist. You see unhoused people. You don't see the store assistant manager at the CVS struggling to pay the bills. And, and you know, yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah. But I feel like there were a few years where I was that middle range (laughs) where I was like, man, it sucks. I never have enough money. I am fucking like one paycheck away from being homeless at all times. Uh, And and then like the people who were just slightly above where things were fine were like, I don't understand why you can't come to brunch with us or whatever. Uh, but then they just, but they don't perceive you as the same as like a homeless person. This is a perfect example of like one of the main reasons why I, I left, uh, Sir Latab was because they did like a, a charity thing and they were like, people who make minimum wage can't afford homes. And I was like, we pay minimum wage. <laughs> like, what are you t- <laughs> like, but it's, it's that exact thing where I was like, guys, and they're like, well, we don't mean like our, I was like, our people qualify for this program. Well, oh my God, what are you missing? Uh, but like that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I, I thought this was a very telling statement in this film. Uh, and it is probably from the book, I would imagine. Anyway, so at this point, she's like munching on cookies and she's like, we should go meet my friend Elton. And this was the point in the movie that I was like, wait, is this clueless? 
fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm so dumb. I'm the dumbest. <laughs> but then I was like, now I understand who all these people are. Anyway, so she takes her to Elton and Elton is both her art teacher and the preacher. Yeah, I think so. And it's Anglican church so he can marry. Yeah, so he can get married. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but this is the whole thing. The same thing in Clueless where she's like, meet Ty. And he's like, Ty's great. But it's just because he's, you know, she's your friend. And like, yeah. this is, you can't just force people together. You know, and Elton makes that clear in this movie too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they all talk to Elton and they decide to come back again the next day. Uh, so they stop at the haberdasher to pick out ribbons because that's the kind of thing that these people have time to do. Yes. Is like, we're going to stop at the ribbon store. Yeah. To like really like dig deep on, should I get a dark ribbon? Cause it'll hide if it's di- like dirty or should I get mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a nice bright white one? <laughs> like what, what, what are we yeah. doing? Haberdashery like, stuff, man. That's yeah. haberdashery stuff. I feel like that the haberdashery really serves as like a place for gossip, kind of like in Bridgerton where the modiste is the place for gossip yeah. where it's like, there's always people like, Oh, my dress is going to be this color. Well, I heard so-and-so had to have her dress let out because maybe she's pregnant. Gasp. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> excitement all around us. Um, yeah. <laughs> anywho. This is where they run into the lady from Spy. And she's like, I just got a letter from my niece, Jane Fairfax. Like, it was so nice that she, like, wrote to me. And she just talks their ear off. And I feel like everyone knows one of these. Where yes. they they have nothing but kind, good intentions. Yes. They're nice, kind people. That's what I was going to say. Like, she is a very nice person. And she just, like, she does... Man, I I feel like I'm this person sometimes. <laughs> you know, like I'll I'll talk someone's ear off sometimes, and I'm like, oh shit, I have to step away because I'm way oversharing. You know. <laughs> well, the the fact that you think that means that you're probably not this person because like the these are the people that don't they don't have self awareness about a what people want to know and are interested in, and right? B, which is I think where the category of like you and I might fall into that one of like <laughs> sure, nobody wanted sure. to hear that much about these murders, but too late. Um, <laughs> but also B perceives herself to be a closer friend to people than they perceive her to be, and I feel like depending on your relationship with this person that manifests in a couple different ways. Like in some cases that may be where you have to set a boundary of like, I'm, I can't talk that much to you. I don't know you that well. I don't have the time. Like I, I just need to be honest with you or whatever. Uh, Or in some cases, if it's a person that you don't run into all that much, sometimes it's nice to just indulge those people and you end up finding out weird things about them that actually make them more interesting. (laughs) So like, you know, (laughs) if you can, great. But she is very much positioned in this movie as like, the insufferable neighbor that is also sort of a drain on our social class right now because she's a widow and like, yeah, they look down on her hardcore in this movie. I, I feel like if she was a higher status than they were, they would be eating every fucking thing she set up and just yep. like couldn't wait to hear the next hot goss or whatever, you know, but yeah, because she's a lower social class. They're like, Oh, isn't she annoying when it speaks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also this element for Emma particularly where she's positioned almost as an adversary to Jane Fairfax, who is this woman's niece and has accomplished a ton of things. Jane went to school like Jane did a bunch of different things. Jane can play piano and amazing lately. Jane is accomplished and 
Knightley actually calls this out where he's like, is it perhaps that she is accomplished in the way that you wish you were? Yeah. I love that he calls her on that. Which is very insightful. So there's a story about Jane Fairfax being like saved by this guy at some water party. Oh my God. It's so, it, it is sort of a boring ish story told in a way that is like not really fun to listen to, but like, it's fine. Just listen and say thanks and move on. I have in my notes, God, this is exhausting. <laughs> this movie was, it was a chore in a way, like usually when movies are bad, you can like find funny things, but like it was like that medium level where yeah. you can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a big budget Hallmark film. Except I like Castle for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I wish it was a Castle for Christmas, but it wasn't as good. Anyway, we cut to that night where they're they're sitting around the parlor. And this is where she tells Harriet, like, I think Elton likes you. There's no proof of that. Also, Elton has a creepy smile. Like, I don't know why anyone wants to be with Elton in this movie. Like, <laughs> that caller's doing him zero favors. He looks like Beaker from the Muppets. Like that, like that's what that caller is doing for his head. He also looks a little gaunt and like very pale through this whole I thought it was like sickly or they were foreshadowing him being a vampire yeah he looks like if disney drew a vampire because his shoulders are all up and he's always like yes like mr burns well he's like, like preaching but in a weird way with his hands closed in front of him like he's whatever it was very strange oh the preacher god damn it <laughs> i don't know any of their names Christ, except emma I do like that Harriet does seem to like when Emma's like, I think he likes you. You could see Harriet like really like, oh, oh, I think I might like him too. Like this could be cool. I think Mia Goth does an amazing job in this movie. Yeah, she does a great job. It made me want to watch Pearl though. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like I prefer her Southern and murderous. Yeah. So uh, we cut to Emma drawing for Elton. And Elton's like critiquing her drawing. And then she like poses Harriet and she's going to draw Harriet. And he's giving full creep. Oh, yeah. Like, he's a creep. Yeah. yeah just wearing a giant collar and pretending <laughs> that her friends are cool. It's creepy. Yeah. But he does lean over and he's like, you've given her more than nature did, which is like a cruel way of like, you made her prettier than she like. Mm. I mean, I think in this moment, Emma should have realized, oh, maybe he's not into her. And by my telling Harriet yeah. that he was, I may have set up some sad nights for her because she's already developing yeah. feelings for Elton. Yeah, especially because she's like, he is in love with you. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. No. Well, back then, you know, you touch a pinky finger and they're like, oh, he loves me. That's because they wear pinky rings. They're I'm kind of digging rings, a pinky yeah. ring moment. I'm kind of into it. Anyway, this is where Knightley comes in and he's just like, she's too tall. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, every scene he's in, he's my favorite part of it. No, not Bill Nye. God damn Knightley. it. I gotta keep forgetting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Anyway. But this is also where he pulls her aside and is like, I see what you're doing and yeah. I know Elton and you are wrong and you are going to hurt her and create an embarrassing situation because you are pushing for something that will not happen. And also Elton's not that great of a guy. Like, yeah, he's not very kind and he's pretty materialistic. So maybe don't do this. And she's like, Agree to disagree. And he's just like, ah. <laughs> anyway, Harriet gets a proposal from the farmer and Emma is just like, are you going to do that? Because it sounds like a bad idea. Like, she I just mean, she very much telegraphs 
no, you're not accepting that proposal. But she's saying things that are like, it's very much your choice. But it's very clear she's like, no, you are not accepting this proposal. It's what I do with my staff when they have a very bad idea. I'm like, (laughs) that's your choice. I don't feel like I could back you in a choice of that nature. But again, this is your choice. It is very much like that, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When I showed up to Sir Latab with pink hair uh, and I was still like a sales associate and uh, my boss was like, oh, God. And I was like, oh, do I need to dye it back? And he's like, no, but it's your head. And you're going to have to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> you're like, but how am I going to get Fallout Boy to notice me if I don't want pink hair? This was that period. That was exactly uh, that period. Yeah. Uh-huh. Paige, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she gets her to say no. And then she tells Knightley that she got her to say no. And Knightley's just like, you are a dumbass. Like, he's like, you're smart, <laughs> but you are using it for evil. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, do you not realize, like, that would make her safe and respectable. And they like each other. And all like this would be a good match for her. And you've talked her out of it for something that doesn't even fucking exist. And she's just like, and he really cares about her. Yeah. Like it it, it is sort of a love match. Right. And a great match for her because she's an orphan. Like she doesn't have much to her name. Right. Yeah. Right. But she's all up in these parties like, please, gentlemen, can I have some more? (laughs) So she's like, agree to disagree. I'm going to get her to marry Elton. And he's just like, like, fuck. All right. Fine. So we cut to winter where her sister and her sister's family shows up for Christmas, finally making this movie interesting. Yes. <laughs> like the amount of Munchausen's and Munchausen's by proxy in this family. Yeah. Is at least at minimum extreme hypochondria. Exce- yes. Extreme hypochondria. I don't, we don't have to get into the specifics of Munchausen. Well, the reason I say Munchausen <laughs> is because anytime the baby cries or anything, the mom freaks out and thinks it's dying. But the yeah. husband wasn't wrapped around her finger, which I think it would be a component of a Munchausen's. I yeah, think her yeah. husband was like, this is all bullshit. And I was yeah. like, okay. It's just it's a baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because the baby farts and she's just like, it's dying. <laughs> they literally call for a doctor. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's insane. If that doctor doesn't have a room in their house or at least has built his own house off the fees for being on retainer for this family. <laughs> this is the first sweet moment between Knightley and Emma. Yes. yes, because she's holding the baby. It farts. Everyone freaks out. And and that's what kind of happens in this family is that like something happens. Chaos ensues and they all run out of the room, leaving Knightley and Emma alone. Yes. Well, I think the baby also like spit up a little bit. It coughs and farts at the same time. Oh, that hurts so bad. It, it could, <laughs> well, because it just said it says in the subtitles, it's like baby farts and coughs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know that I've ever done that at the same time, Mikey, but now like I'm interested as to why it would bro, hurt. Bro, it's only happened to me a handful of times in my life. And each time I didn't like it. <laughs> I have so many questions. It's it's happened to me a couple times as an adult. Babies do it all the time. Like when I used, because I used to babysit like baby babies, like infant babies when I was an older teen, like when I was like 18. But because they don't control it and they can't anticipate it, babies will also like fart and scare themselves. So yes. they'll just like, like fart and then scream. <laughs> There's a gas monster chasing me. Well, they're just so confused. <laughs> they're just yeah, like, everything's ah. new. What's happening? Yeah. Uh, which is basically what happens with this baby. And she freaks the <laughs> hell out. 
Uh, but it leaves Emma and Knightley alone to kind of like laugh at how crazy it is because they've been around other babies, you know, so they're just like, yeah, these people are nuts, you yeah. know. And he's like, we're going to agree to disagree. And she's like, well, I haven't been proved wrong yet. But was that farmer sad about it? And he just said, a man cannot be more so. Like, he's devastated. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that, that she said no, because they, like, cared about each other. And we see that later when we see him in that scene at the haberdashery, man. He is crushed. Oh, you might as well have just scored that with, like, oh, bye. <laughs> I think you mean the haberdash hoped. <laughs> yes, Mikey. Yes, exactly. Yes. I, I would be remiss not to mention the irony of you two being like, this had really boring musical interludes. When you two go on mini musical interludes <laughs> of varying interests. Yeah, but ours are good. People have asked for a mix of them. Also, ours are only like four or five seconds. On the fucking edits. I mean, there is some truth to that. Yeah, we do, <laughs> you know. Sometimes the songs last a little bit longer live. You know what happens. I don't know. This last one was only like five seconds. Yeah. I hate you both so much. <laughs> so we cut to, she goes to visit Harriet the next day and she is sick at Christmas. So she's not going to make it to the party. And Elton's going to be at the party, but Emma's going to go because she thinks that Churchill's going to be there. Yes. But he's not. Nope. But Elton's there and yep. he's super creepy and doesn't know what to talk to people about, which is actually pretty funny. Yeah. He's like, I hear it's the biggest estate. <laughs> it is very awkward the I, weather <laughs> he is very awkward and i sort of like that about him but i don't really like his character very much no i preferred it when it was rolling with the homies yeah which clueless does all of this in one scene where ty hits her head and then the party continues and the rolling with the homies commences yeah like the amount of time clueless takes to cover what this movie has taken an hour to cover yeah. is crazy. <laughs> like, And that's why it's paced better, Paige. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut to dinner. And at dinner, Knightley is just like, that guy's an asshole. I don't know why we all care that he's not here. But we also find out that he has been tasked with marrying a woman of means so that he doesn't get cut off yes. from his his fortune right so regardless someone mentions it's snowing the entire family <laughs> freaks out and immediately <laughs> abandons this full christmas dinner and so fast that they home alone emma or they just like yes. all hop into carriages and leave her behind yeah um so that she ends up riding with elton and here's the thing she knows elton so she's not that worried about it right but as they're sitting there he's just like he goes from like zero to creepy so fast Girl, I want to take you to church. Ooh. Oh, yes. Let me see them ankles, bitch. And she's just like, <laughs> no, you like my friend. He's like, I've never fucking liked your friend. I don't know where you got this idea. I'm only nice to her because she's your friend. And yeah. she's just like, no, get out of the fucking carriage. And he's just like, Ugh. I mean, he throws like a fit and tells the driver to stop. And then he gets out on his own and walks, which fine. You were just being creepy. Please leave. That has been a common experience for me amongst creeps that have hit on me. Yeah. Driver, stop the car. I'm leaving. <laughs> I mean, thankfully not in cars. In close... Driver, stop this bus. <laughs> <laughs> like at, at like a comedy show or like a bar or something uh, where people are just like, well, you were fat anyway. And it's like, what did that have to do with it? Like two minutes ago, you were trying to ask <laughs> me out. You knew that when you were trying to sleep with me a second ago. So like, <laughs> like 
So as she's kicking uh, Elton out of the carriage, he's like, look, everybody's got their level and your friend is not on my level. And you're just like, damn. damn. Yeah, like that's terrible. That's the equivalent of somebody being like, your friend's a six. Well, I don't even know if he meant that. I assumed he meant class structure wise as well. He did. So like it's more or less exactly what Emma says earlier about, oh, they're not poor enough for me to be interested in their situation. Right. It's like almost the exact same thing. So like Elton is bad for saying this, but like it's just a part of that level of society, it seems. Yeah. Well, and not only is he like, she has a level and it ain't mine yeah and he's like but so do you and yours is the level that i want it's very transactional yes that's where she's like i have no thoughts of matrimony at present and he's just like huff bye yeah so we cut to this weird coin game at the school Oh, you've never done this? No. It's called Who Pays for the Cocaine? <laughs> so I the, I wondered if it was something like a uh, like a candle passing where it's like if somebody's getting married, you're like passing a candle and then a person blows it out and stuff like that. No, this is like it's flower Jenga more or less. Okay. Because you put flower into like a... I'd imagine that's like a cake shaper kind of thing. It's like a it's a it's a jello mold, is yeah, what okay, it is. Perfect. Yeah. So a jello mold and you pack it so it's tight, right? The flower is tight in there. Right. Then you turn it up and then you like pull the flower out of it so it retains its shape. It's a lot like a sandcastle, guys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you put like a quarter or a coin on top, and then you have to like cut every side until it falls, right? So it's just like Jenga, but with okay. sort of flour and knives, right? I've played this before, honestly. It's not common but like when you grow up poor you play games that don't involve money i mean so like <laughs> that makes a lot more sense to me I've, yeah I, it looked like drinking games i've played yeah honestly this looks like a game you would play if you know tv radio telephones <laughs> like you had nothing to do like, and you had no one's lives to ruin because you were slightly too poor but not poor enough exactly yeah. it's an orphanage right or like a finishing school it's a boarding school but they're all they're, are they orphans no, not all of them, but she is an orphan. The other okay. ones, assume, I assume, maybe there are some orphans, but are just have families. She seemed very sh ashamed to be caught doing it. Well, it's just because she was the one that lost the coin, like when she cut, the coin fell, so she had to get it out with her mouth. So she has flower face as yeah. uh, Emma walks in. I, I mean, I know about the game. I think it's weird they include the entirety of them playing it. Like, this is one of those things that you should cut out to help with the pacing. Yeah, I mean, the more I watched this movie, I was like, I could cut an hour out of this movie. Yeah. And then I was like, then it would be clueless. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's how you get clueless, is you cut an hour out of this movie. Yeah. Anyway, so Emma shows up while they're playing the flower game to basically be like, hey, he didn't love you. He was trying to marry me to enrich himself. Yeah. Like he was trying to marry up. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And also acknowledges like you never would have thought of him unless I had said something. But Which is true. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so she's about to throw the painting away. But instead, Emma keeps it. Yeah. Which that we didn't talk about the picture frame. We did. But oh, that God, frame so is hysterical. It is. Yeah. And it's presented in a way that's way over the top crazy because he like puts, obviously the painting is there on like an easel and he puts like a drapery over it, like a cloth or whatever. He has them all come in and sit down and then he yanks it off and it's in a closed, like the frame has shutters on it that are like doors. Right. They look like big grand doors. Yes. And then he opens it and it plays a song. Like I have never seen a frame work as hard as this frame. It is insane. Right. It's crazy. But he's doing it because at that point he is still trying to get Emma to fall in love with him. 
Right. So Emma's sister goes home, which is as they're loading the carriage. I love that they paint her family in the carriage like a family on like an exhausted family on a road trip. Yes. <laughs> it reflected yeah. very modern. It was very funny. I love them. And I, I hated that they were leaving as much as the dad did. I was like, oh, please yeah. don't go. And he's like, I wish you would never leave. And it's like. He has a problematic relationship with his daughters, I think. I mean, I think he just loves his kids. I mean, he's alone because their mom has died, you know? Yeah, My reading was that she got sick and died probably from like pneumonia or something from getting cold. Right. And like everyone has a neuroses about it. Yes. Yeah. Except for Emma. Emma seems immune, but everyone else. Yeah. Anyway, Elton goes away and doesn't preach for a few weeks. And she's still sad about it. But like, why? Like, gross. <laughs> Anyway, I didn't understand why he was a better social station than the farmer. Like, did he come from a better family? Yes. He seemed to me like he was like a second son. He was not going to inherit the family estate or whatever, but had a good name. And so he needed to marry someone who came with a lot of money so that that would give his branch of the family sort of lordship over whatever. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I thought it was either that or he had a patron. Yeah, that could be too. Where he's an artist slash preacher, whatever, and therefore is covered by some sort of patronage or local patronage, which allows him entrance into higher social classes without having money of his own. Yeah, that could be too. Potentially. Anyway, they throw his her because she was like writing down his sermons and they throw them in the water. I do love that like Mia Goss character was like so infatuated with him that she was like transposing his sermons yes. or whatever. But I don't know if you see it like when they show you the uh, the book for a second, if you look at the actual like what's written on them, like the sermons are called like tiny dancer and crocodile rock and Benny and the Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. So I liked that they threw it away because his sermons were strange just in general. Yeah. What we see of him doing his job is not what I would call stellar. Yes. And thus the homies did roll together. (laughs) Weird. Anyway. The lady from Spy runs up and is like, Jane Fairfax is here. We all have to have tea. And they're just like, oh, shit. All right, fine. So they go and have tea with Jane, who's just kind of, Jane doesn't look like she wants to be there either. Which is really funny. I hated Jane's character until the end. And I think I sort of understood Jane's character. I feel like she is sitting on this secret that she knows will dramatically change how these people see her. And she is like, just does not know how to handle that. You know? Well, I understand Jane's character. I had kind of figured out what her character's arc was early. And I think what it is, is because his so Churchill's aunt, as long as she is alive, will not let him marry Jane. Yeah. Because of her social standing, which means that all of the dalliances he has with Emma are kind of and this is very interesting and clueless where Cher is kind of a beard in Clueless. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of a version of that where it seems very, very obvious that he is maybe going to entertain the idea of marrying Emma to secure the family fortune while keeping Jane on the side. Yeah. And I think Jane is very upset and sad about that. There's a part of me that's like, maybe you shouldn't marry him. Yeah. But whatever. And I think Knightley picks up on this. Mm -hmm. 
and realizes what's going on. And that's part of why he's so angry about them actually getting married at the end. Because he's like, he would have abandoned her for the money. Yeah. Like, he's not a good guy, you know, or whatever. Anyway, so Jane upset. And I think in part she's upset because she has to be away from Churchill. But as we'll see soon, he's about to join them there. But this is where we find out that she knew him at Weymouth where she was at school. Yes. And Emma's like, oh my God, tell me about him. And she's just like, he's fine, I guess. Because of course, she doesn't want everyone to know that they're engaged. Right. Anyway, we cut to them. Emma has them all over for dinner and they're performing. I actually sort of like this scene. Yes. Because Emma is like playing piano and singing and she's doing a fine job, you know, but she's not a piano player and she's not a singer. She's just like doing fine. Right. right? And then she finishes, people sort of clap a little bit and then Jane gets up and Emma's going to sit down and Emma says, it's a shame you didn't bring any music with you. And Jane's like, yeah, I'm just hoping that I'll remember how the tune goes. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then sits down and like, fucking crushes this like like, insanely intense like piano solo it's like amazing yeah i do have in my notes at this point god this is boring it is boring emma uh emma finishing her song like literally last right i don't know 10 seconds of it stand up walk to each other have that moment her sit down and like immediately start playing something smash cut to emma sad later yeah exactly we do get nightly this is where he says like you are obvious about the fact that you don't like her yeah is it because you wish you were more like her like is that what it is and because she's like i'm sorry i was deficient he's like you're not often deficient yeah and maybe that's why you're upset i do feel like he is the only person that truly sees who emma is throughout the whole of this movie and that's what makes me like him i honestly feel bad for him that they end up together (laughs) yeah yeah honestly kind of uh because especially earlier in the movie at one point he says i wish for her a love that's not returned yeah like just an idea of like to finally experience what other people occasionally experience around her with what he is currently going through with his love for for her page yeah absolutely. you should feel like how i feel about you yeah anyway so we cut to the haberdashery and this is where they run into the farmer and his two sisters and they're like mother's asking for you yeah please come visit and all that stuff we talked about the scene a little bit but like it really much is mr martin there escorting his sisters to the haberdashery and he is like truly broken and sad he's not like crying or anything but you can clearly see if he was not in public right now dude would be bawling his ass out right yes. and mia goss character harriet makes an excuse to leave because the situation is pretty awkward you know so like she goes outside and then he runs after her and it's like this sort of sweet moment where like he I think really wants to be like why didn't you accept like I love you like what are we doing here I know you care for me but instead because they're in public he can't really say that to her so he's like take this route home it's faster and it's raining and you don't want to be flooded right so it's like yes it's a really sweet scene even though like by dialogue it doesn't sound like it (laughs) right so we cut Two, she like drops her off at home. There's it's this really interesting scene where it's no longer raining yeah. and it's like it can't, it's really a kind of out of context. Uh, but this is where she first sees Frank Churchill, yeah, walking over. Now, here's something about Frank, or he's riding, a, he's riding a horse, he's riding a horse, yeah. and then they will end up back in town at the haberdashery moments later, even though we just came from there. Yeah, I got the impression that these were like different days, they are different days, it's just edited bad, yeah, agree, yeah. So there's something about 
Churchill's haircut plus the collar, the bonkers collar that removes everyone's <laughs> neck that make his yeah. ears look bonkers like mm-hmm, he looks mm-hmm, like he mm-hmm. can hear the past and the future like <laughs> it looks like at any moment while he's having a conversation with you he could he could be like i heard you saying that already <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i feel like he doesn't so much sit down to breakfast as he echolocates fruit out in the trees <laughs> like it's crazy but like i've seen him in other things and i've never and had they that probably thought. look normal I've never had yeah, that thought I, ever i was like watching this and i was like this is just a perfect story of his hair is cut too close plus the mutton chops plus the collar it's all too much and it's just all you can look at now are those giant ears that are probably not that big they're probably normal but just with everything plus a top hat it's just a lot it's too much collars are not anything if not the leggings of the head (laughs) (laughs) anyway so he joins his dad and new stepmom, who used to be Emma's governess. Yeah. They meet up with Emma. They go to town. They go to the haberdashery. And at this point, and, and he's like, we've got to throw a ball, a massive ball. And in my notes, it just says, so is he gay or fucking Jane Fairfax? <laughs> because like I had already figured it out. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. it's one of the two. Anyway, we cut to she's telling nightly about everything that has happened all the time she spent with him that day. And he's like, I don't think he cares for you because he's only here for two weeks. And he spent one of those days going to London and back for a haircut. And it's this, it's this time in history. So that took like all day. Like if he truly cared for you, he would not want to waste one of those days that he could be spending time with you. And she's just like, you don't understand. But this is also where, They find out because they're all at like a little party thing. They find out that someone sent Jane a piano, which is like a huge extravagance and very expensive to have delivered. Yeah. It's so extravagant. It was still called a piano forte. Yes. Yeah. And they're trying to like think about who did it. And they're playing very much sit crooked and talk straight of like, if you don't have anything nice to say, sit next to me. Like that kind of Mm -hmm. people watching kind of thing. And she's like, who do you think delivered it? Do you think it was Mr. Dixon, the guy who like saved her? And we will find out that it was Churchill who sent it. And he knew the whole time. It was her fiance. Yeah, he was just gaslighting (laughs) Emma because he's an asshole. Because he's a dick with ears, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Knightley and Jane Fairfax do a duet. And clearly Emma's like not feeling it. Like Emma is kind of jealous. Oh, yeah. I think she's very jealous. Yeah. And I just, in my notes, just have, God, this time in history must have been so insanely dull. Just like day to day. Yeah. (laughs) For rich people. That's true. For poor people, it was exhausting. I'd go to ship somewhere and I'd be like, I hope we get a glass of grog today. Cause like, (laughs) you would have been requisitioned grog because it it prevented scurvy because it Mm -hmm. usually had citrus in it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Anyway, so we cut to that cool green church again. Yeah, we do. And Elton is back. Uh, the bitch is back uh, <laughs> with his creepy wife uh, who the the actress is not that crazy looking. No, she's they great. Have absolutely. They have worked to make her look like old timey bitchy queen Amidala. Yeah. And I am here for it. I love her character, honestly. <laughs> and the lady who plays her does a great job of being just like on a very insufferable person. 
Oh, oh every yeah. word out of her mouth is absolute madness. Yeah. And she's always like standing up, sitting down, moving. <laughs> like she's never sitting still and so crazy. Yeah. And she's just like, I'm quite struck by the likeness of your house. It looks a lot like my house, but in Maple Grove. You've heard of Maple Grove, right? And I admit that the Trade Federation has a point in the Nubu. And <laughs> oh you're just God. like, well, what? that's how this whole movie feels like. It feels like it all takes place in the Senate chambers on Coruscant. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole Maple Grove conversation is really just her saying very publicly that she hates where she lives now yeah because she grew up at maple grove and that was like a wonderful place it's not quite as nice as where i live now it's a little bit lower than the station of maple grove or whatever and like this whole time is like i can't believe i married this well she also throws shade at emma being like when you get married and leave all this behind you will miss it too Mm -hmm. yes well there is definitely an undercurrent of elton trying to embarrass emma for turning him down yeah and she will not be embarrassed because she's just like i don't what the fuck like who gives a shit i honestly don't think she has any reason to be embarrassed like that was the right call either way yeah, no, it's and Knightley even notices it and brings it up. Yeah. And I do think that because it's part of why he asks uh, Harriet to dance. Yeah. Where he's like, it was meant to wound her and not her alone. Like it was meant to hurt mm-hmm. you too. Yeah. And it was gross and stupid and really weird. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Churchill's coming back. There's going to be a ball. So she has to teach Harriet how to dance so she can come to the ball. Yeah. And this scene, yep, this is the one where I was like, this is heavy lesbian um, undertones here, like mm-hmm. hardcore. It does seem very obvious to me. Um, I'm actually, I'm thrilled that you saw it too. Cause I was like, how can you not see it? No, it seems weird. Yeah. But I, I think it's unintentional because it, everything else does not seem to be intentional. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. Because I just Googled this. I was like, lesbian undertones in Emma. Because this seemed like blatant. Uh, In some circles, Emma is known as the lesbian book in Jane Austen's Oeuvre. Okay, okay, has, okay. Yeah, and this is coming from strangegirl.com, but it's it's an article about how this came to be. Uh, it has strong lesbian overtones and undertones. In the original, Emma's relationship with Harriet Smith, her protege, spends a lot of time with her, and there's a passage where she describes how Harriet's soft blue eyes are just the type of eyes that she loves. Okay. So apparently we are not the only ones. Yeah. Okay. And okay. It, it must have been intentional at, at this point. Yeah, I'd imagine that if, if that was written about the book, that yeah, it must have been like, we should throw in those undertones too because they're clear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so they, they go to this ball... And Elton and his new wife are there. And apparently because she's most recently married, she's supposed to be the one that starts the ball. Yes. But she's also bonkers. <laughs> Somehow her hair has gotten bigger and crazier. Yeah. She very much has the energy of, I don't want people to think that everyone needs to look at me, but everyone needs to look at me. Like it's that sort of yeah. energy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and my favorite thing in this scene is she's talking about the brilliance and apparent richness of under accessorizing which is a thing of like rich people who know they're rich just be yeah they don't overdo it and she has 
like three times the accessories on yes. as everyone else in the scene. Well, she's and just- she blames it on the fact that she's expected to because she's a bride or whatever. Like I was like, no one is thinking about you, ma'am. It's so crazy. No one is thinking about you. <laughs> she literally thinks everyone else in her life are non-playable characters. Like that's the way she views <laughs> the world. But they start the dancing and essentially Harriet gets left out and Elton finds himself without a dance partner and sits down next to her so he knows that she doesn't have a dance partner. And instead of just asking her to dance, he deliberately leaves and says, I'm not going to dance with anybody. Which he could dance with her. His wife is dancing with the guy who is yes, hosting yeah, the it, event. it would not right? be weird. Yeah, so like it's right. not like a societal reason or it would be improper for me to dance with her. It is just, he is a straight up dick. Yeah, and so Knightley sees this Oh, nightly, like a knight in shining armor. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't think about that either, Paige, but yeah. Yeah. Same. But like Mia Goth is like crying, like yeah, trying to hold sad. it together. She's not like whimpering and like making a scene of it, but she is like crying and trying to hold it together. And nightly, like a knight in shining armor, walks over to her (laughs) and asks, would you like to dance? Like, it's not like a romantic thing. He just wants to help out this girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nice dude. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to later. Yeah. And everyone has kind of like stopped dancing for a bit. And Emma and Knightley are kind of standing off to the side. And she's like, hey, I saw what you did. And thank you. Yeah. And he was like, well, what he did was reprehensible. Like he did it just to hurt her feelings. Yeah. And he says, you were right. She is kind and sweet and everything. And you would have chosen for him better than he would have chosen for himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, like he chose based on the wrong criteria. Yeah. Well, he married for money. Yeah. Yeah. So her governess's husband, Randall. Her governess's new husband is the guy who was hosting the event who went off and danced yeah, with Churchill's dad. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, why isn't everyone dancing? Dance. And so she's like, I'll dance if someone will ask. And she turns to him and she's like, I'll dance with you. We're not siblings. We can dance. And he's like, all right. And so they <laughs> dance. And this is where and mind you, at this point, there's like 40 minutes left in this movie, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Because this movie is an hour too long. Yes. But at this point, this is where the chemistry kicks in. It does. And you're just like, oh, like he like wants her. And you're just like, damn. Yeah. But this moment should happen 45, 50 minutes into the movie. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, the next day, because they've been at this ball all night, she goes to go home in her carriage and he runs after her and it's crazy. (laughs) Like he flails the entire time he runs. That top hat is not doing him any favors either. Like if I had to run anywhere, you know what? I don't want excess weight on my neck. He's wearing like a 10 gallon top hat running after her down the street. Like Abe Lincoln would have been like, damn, I'd have taken that thing off. So he runs to her courtyard. She sees him in the window. And I think this is very clearly the point where like she has feelings for him too. And she runs out to the courtyard to meet him. And I think this would have been our kind of our meet cute. The thing is, they've known each other forever, but this is like their romantic meet. This would have been like the climax of the film if it was a normal movie. Right. (laughs) Except they get they get interrupted because Harriet was attacked by it is implied to be Romani people. I'm not going to use the slur. Yeah. And they do in this movie, which I was a little surprised by. But I, I guess it's just in the book that way. So. Well, in historical accuracy, that's what they probably would have said, I guess. It's also strange because we have not 
seen any <laughs> around town. It was kind of a left field kind of deal. I half expected them to be like, just kidding. It wasn't the Romani. She was having sex in a bush and trying to hide it. <laughs> like, because if this was Bridgerton, that's what would have happened. <laughs> so she is like twisted her ankle or whatever. And both Knightley and Churchill are trying to help her. But also he like doesn't want to leave her alone with Churchill. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. And this is where they both go, Churchill and Knightley go to find help. Yeah. And uh, Harry is just like, I think I'm in love again. Yeah. And of course, Emma, because never Emma never asks for confirmation or clarification about anything. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just like, Churchill, got it. Got it, yeah. No reason why. I guess because he saved her or whatever. Literally because he just carried her into the house, you know? Yeah. But she obviously, when she was saying, like, he came over and saved me, yeah. she was very much talking about nightly. Yeah, yeah, because, like, no one was dancing with her. She was sad and he was nice to her. Yeah. Anyway, nightly runs home and is just like, on the floor just like fuck uh but my favorite is the servant who like walks in and then just like turns around and leaves i love that so much too he was like okay that's yeah okay i'll just just close the door i'll just close the door sorry you're clearly having a moment (laughs) sir yeah uh yeah but in this shot we do see that his house is very much closed up like there's draperies over the furniture like the paintings Mm -hmm. and stuff like yeah we see that he is not really living his life where he accepts visitors at his home which becomes a thing right it does become a thing because in literally the very next scene yeah. elton's bonkers wife is like i want to come see your grand estate and, and he's like sure just like whenever yeah, let she's me like, know when you want to come over the day yeah and she's like we should set up a viewing of like a bunch of people and she's like i can invite people i'll set up the invitation he's like no i can manage that and yeah. she's just like no 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 you should have a married woman managing that and he says he's like i will one day when i marry a woman and she's running the household right like it's until then no uh yeah. <laughs> you're weird <laughs> you <laughs> like, are too much madam yes you are indeed <laughs> Both the most and then more than that. Um, anyway, we cut to a garden party where they all tour his house. And this is where, like, if you haven't figured out what's going on with Jane Fairfax yet. Yes. This for me is the most obvious because Emma and Churchill are kind of canoodling. Jane sees it. Yeah. And leaves. And she's like, when people ask where I am, will you say that I've gone home and I'm unwell? Yeah. And she's like, why? What's going on? She's like, I'm wearied in spirits. I'm sure you can understand. Yeah. I need to fucking leave. Yeah. Which knowing what you know about her now, you're like, yeah, of course, that'd be excruciating. Like, it'd be so terrible. It would be hard seeing the person you're engaged to flirting with somebody else to keep up their cover. Yeah. Right. And probably considering marrying that person for money. Like, yeah. But this is also where he's like, I'm tired of doing nothing. I'm sick of England. (laughs) I want to travel and see the world or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, well, the next best thing is this weird hill party we're going to have. So come to the hill. (laughs) You know the hill? You heard of the hill? Come to the hill. So he does. And everyone's just kind of sitting there quietly. And he's like, let's stir some shit. And he's like, everyone, tell us what you're thinking. And of course, Knightley's like, not going to do that. Yeah. Like, Like, this this is a terrible idea. Not unless everyone gets cool about a lot of stuff real fast. (laughs) So he's like, okay, instead of that, how about like one really amazing thing or two kind of cool things or three things that are dull indeed. And I'm like, why'd you give options? I know. Like, like, you don't want someone who's telling a dull story to tell two more dull stories. Yeah. 
Uh, although in the midst of this, my favorite is that Elton's wife is like, as the chaperone. Yeah. <laughs> like, Man, I want to just follow you around for a day. In my mind, I was like, oh, she's only ever read that word. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mind, it was like you, the people who go to Olive Garden and pronounce things as if they speak Italian, like that kind of thing where they're like, uh-huh. And yes, I'll have the croque monsieur, and you're just like... It's a me, an olive garden, a patron. Give me the spaghetti. <laughs> give me the tour of Italy, and give me the breadsticks, and the never-ending impossible. Uh, that's yeah. definitely how I talk every time I go to Olive Garden. <laughs> Mikey, so. we have to go to Olive Garden immediately, and I'll bring <laughs> yeah. a camera. Like, this is going to happen. Pasta, 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 please. <laughs> Mikey, can we grow, like, mustaches before we go, though? Like, We'll just get fake ones. Why, why yes. wait? Make it look even worse. I love it. <laughs> Black yeah. ones. Doesn't match our hair so they color They definitely at all. don't match. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mine's just on top of my beard. Wear overalls. <laughs> okay, now you're just making us the Mario, Super Mario Brothers. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get some shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wearing green, Mikey and red. We all know I'm Luigi. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> well, I, get, I had it pictured the other way, but okay, I, I could be wrong. You think Todd's Mario? Mikey is taller than me. Yes, I think it was the height. Yeah. I'm like two inches taller than you. It's not that much taller than you. You have strong Luigi energy. That's what I was saying. I agree. Can okay. I be Waluigi? Because, yes. I have Luigi <laughs> energy largely because I have a mansion filled with ghosts. I get that reference. I don't know who else will, but I love that. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so, Jane Fairfax's aunt, uh, the one who talks too much, is like, I'll go first because I would definitely have some, like three very dull things to say indeed. And Emma was in roast mode. Yes. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> yes, she went hard. I've definitely done this before and I felt terrible after and apologized and everything. But like, because she just like, she saw an opening for a joke and just launched it without like thinking of the outcome. Yeah. And so she's just like, what have you ever stopped at three? Which like, if someone had said that to me, I would have laughed really yes. hard. Like it would have been funny to me. But hey, not everyone is ready for that. And you got to know and pick your spot. Yeah. The way they shoot this, I thought was very effective because she Ooh. clearly has like a, oh my God, what what did you just say about me reaction to it? Like it, it was like she yeah. got punched in the stomach. Yes. Well, and you see Emma immediately be like, oh my God, what have I done? Oh, I know. And that that also was a little triggering because that's more often me. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, shit. No. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Why did I say she had crack baby eyes? I have the thing where like- <laughs> Like unproportional response, you know, like they yeah. launched like a little cruise missile and I'm like, nuke. Yes. Yes. Like verbally. And like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh no. Like, I'm like, remember that personal thing you told me 17 years ago? I'm like, and that's why your mother left you. And I'm like, oh, and, then, and just because they like picked on my shirt. I'm like, oh man, that didn't make sense. <laughs> so yeah, that's what this is though. Except Emma is like doing nine stages of punching down. Like it's, oh, it's yeah. really bad. Todd, did you tell someone one time that they had cracked baby eyes? I wish I hadn't said that on both accounts because, yes, I have said that to someone. Yes, it didn't go well, nor should it have. Uh-huh. And uh, that was a hard night for me. I learned a lot that night. Learned a lot that night. Oh, my God. Was this a date? It was way <laughs> like, worse was than this? that, but no. And I'm not going to tell you the story because it was a terrible thing I said to somebody and they called me out on it. And I, just like there was, there was like a lot of growth that night. If you tell jokes 
I, this I could be generalizing. You guys, the amount of people you've accidentally made cry is is too many, and then it makes you feel bad. You know yes. what I'm saying? This was the first time in the movie that I actually like sympathized with Emma. Yes. Yeah. Because this is something that I think everyone has done to a certain degree, right? Like I don't think I've ever punched that far down. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think her intention was to hurt her. I think it was something she thought yes. that came out of her mouth, yes. and it was just like book. Yeah. Anyway, so she's hurt. It ruins the party. Yeah. And Knightley's just like, hey, asshole, what the fuck? I sort of talk about this scene a little bit earlier in the episode, but like this is where he like really takes her to task about like you're sort of being mean to everyone around you, whether directly like you did to this person right yeah. now or just by meddling in their lives and causing them trouble. He's like, you are you can't do that. Like you need to fix that yeah. part of your personality. And he's like, it's sort of like breaking up with a friend. You, you, have you ever had to do yeah. that? Because they were like, it's like, oh shit, I didn't realize Craig was racist. Like, it's like sort of that kind of a thing, you know? So he's like, you cannot act like that to people, especially not here at my house. Right? Yeah. I honestly felt like he was absolutely in the right to do that. I love that he did it. And he was like, I'm done with this. This is fucking stupid. Get out. You would say that he may have picked that hill to die on. Yes. It's a real hill. You get it? Yeah, this is the hill. <laughs> But he, she is leaving, so she like leaves in her carriage, and we follow her like crying. Yeah, yeah. The hills have eyes, and those eyes can see you're being a bitch. <laughs> anyway, she goes home, and she's like, "I've been an asshole." Which there's a part of me that like in her position, in, in ha having had this happen, I feel like it is almost best to apologize immediately. Yes, <laughs> just it be is. like, "Yes, I am so sorry. I was trying to be funny. That was incredibly cruel." That's not true. You know, like, yeah. whatever. And because she doesn't, it kind of makes it worse. Because then the lady spirals of like, why would she say something so mean? Like, I must have been so terrible. <laughs> you know, like, eh. yeah. Um. So we cut to she goes to their house with a basket of like produce and is just like, I'm very sorry. And, and she's like, well, this is very kind of you, but you're always kind. And it's like, mm, that's not exactly true, but OK. Yeah. But this is where we hear that Jane is very upset. Yeah, I, I really. She doesn't say sorry. I know. I really wanted her to say, "I'm sorry, I treated you so poorly." Yes, that is not something I will do in the future, and I value our friendship. No, that would be too much. Yeah. Anyways, we hear that Jane is upset, and she's been writing very, very long letters. And we cut back to Emma's house, where she's coming as Knightley is going, and he's like, "I'll miss you in the evening. Goodbye." Yeah. We cut to dinner and at dinner or by dinner, I should say, people have all found out that Mrs. Churchill is dead. Yeah. And Frank and Jane Fairfax are engaged and have been the entire time. Right. Because now there's nothing standing in between him and the inheritable money. It's his now. Right? right. So now he can be open about everything. He's like, yep, we're engaged. We're super in love. Sorry. I led everyone else on. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, right, I'm a terrible exactly. person. Ha ha ha. I, I'm going to get away with it because I'm rich. Yep. And he sent the piano. Yeah, of course. And at this point, everyone's like, we're so sorry, Emma. And she's yeah. just like, no, because she's already into Nightly. Like, it doesn't matter. Yes. Right. But she then goes to Harriet and is like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, well, why would you think? Yeah, because... Emma's under the impression yeah. that she was setting up Harriet with Churchill. And, right. and Harriet's like, no, I want you to set me up with Knightley. He's like the dude for me right now. Right, right. And then she's like, oh, because you want him for yourself. Yes. And I really do like that it comes out here. I wish Emma had said something. It wasn't like yeah. Harriet discovered it, but whatever. But like, I think this shows a little bit of growth on Emma's part. Yeah, a, a little bit. I think she's realizing her the extent of her feelings since she starts 
crying when she's talking about how much she likes Mr. Knightley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at this point, too, Harriet's also like, yo, I refused the guy I really liked because of you. Yes. What the fuck? Anyway, she then tries to smooth it over and is like, well, Knightley would never lie. So if he said he likes you, he likes you. And I guess I'm just out. Like, it, it is affection that is not returned, I guess. Yeah. So she walks home and Knightley sees her and catches up with her. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Uh, that was very cruel what he did. He's kind of a terrible guy. And she's like, oh, I don't. I don't care. Like, I just yeah. like, sorry, but I think she even says like, I, it doesn't bother me at all, except for the fact that I was trying to set like, it's just clear. Like that nightly comes into the scene thinking like, I should like, apologize to Emma because he thought she wanted to marry Churchill. And mm-hmm. she's like, right, no, right. I did not want to marry Churchill. I want to marry you. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and, and he's like, do you want, like I envied him and yeah. it's be- because he got to spend time with you or whatever. I think it was literally just because he was the object of her affections, really, whether yeah. he was real or not. Like even when he wasn't there, she was keeping herself romantically available for the option of Churchill. Right. Right. Anyway, he asks her to marry him and she's like, I can't because Harriet is in love with you because you danced with her and you were nice to her. And he's like, fuck, we got to like figure this out, I guess. So she's like, I have to go. I created this mess. I got to fix it. So she goes to the farmer, Robert Martin, and is like, she loves you. She always did. I fucked up. Here's a dead bird. (laughs) <laughs> Please go ask her again. Yes. And he's like, all right. So she goes back to Harriet. Harriet's like, Robert asked again. And I said, yes, that's so great. Yay. Everyone's happy. Yeah. So then she, so Emma goes back to her house and where Knightley's waiting. And the scene where they're like reading books and just looking at each other over the books. I was like, yes. Yes. But then we only get a kiss out of it. Yeah. But anyway. So. Oh, I, there is a scene where Robert and Harriet kiss, but they both have crazy hats on. <laughs> so he has to like take the hat off and then like negotiate her bonnet with his face. Yeah, I, I thought that was very <laughs> funny. Yeah. Anyway, so they're sitting and reading and her dad's like, do you feel a draft? And so they put up all the screens. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. if you notice, that's when Knightley stands up and sits on the couch with her right? Yeah. because then they move the screens in between the dad and the two of them who are then sort of. They have privacy from everyone but the 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 servants yeah. in the house, right? Here's my question. Okay. Did he do it on purpose? Yeah. I think he did. I really do think he did. And I think that the dad is trying to orchestrate their relationship almost the entire time. Yes. But this is where while they're sitting on the couch, they negotiate how they're going to marry. Like, like they they come to terms on a marriage right here. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't leave my dad. He is a hypochondriac and is insane. I don't know what will happen to him. <laughs> and she's like, and I wouldn't be okay with you not living with me if we were man and wife. And he's like, happy to move in. Let's do this. Yeah. And she gives him like a tiny kiss. And then he gives her like a real kiss. Yeah. yeah. He's like, let me show you what this is going to be like. He's like, because yeah. I've been in the big city and seen things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the servants turn around. Yeah. But their their kiss is like nice. We cut to the church where Elton has to marry them. <laughs> I love that. Anyway. And And that's that's the the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what'd you guys think about Emma? I'm very, I'm glad that my sense of lesbian undertones were justified. Same. That's like the one thing I'm glad that came out of this movie. Did not like it. Wouldn't watch it again. Don't recommend anyone watch it. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. 
So, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? Very few. Well, hit us with your fun facts, Emma. Fun facts. So, they don't wear gloves during their dance together, Emma or Knightley. Okay. Uh, well, all the other characters dancing are gloved, and they, I guess, consulted with a historian on whether that would be appropriate or whether that would ever happen, and they were like, well, they just ate dinner, so it's possible they would have removed their gloves. Okay. So, it is fine okay um but they did it because they thought it added to the sexual tension yeah. between them and their hands are in frame most of the time anya taylor joy almost quit the movie because she thought she was too ugly to play the role that's Aww. insane which is if you're ever out there feeling like you feel like you don't look great remember that some of like Crazy beautiful people have those same insecurities. Yeah. All about confidence. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm able to date some of them. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. So Onion Taylor Joy, if you're out there, Mikey is single. Well, she's not. So oh, okay. you well, know, whatever. too bad for you. Uh, but she she says, she goes on to say in the quote, she goes, I just think I'm weird looking. <laughs> Which, like, here's the thing. I'll say that her eyes are wide, but at the same time, she's beautiful. Like she's striking. Like I don't think it makes her weird looking. No. no. She I don't has a very symmetrical face. I think if you look at like supermodels, you'll see features that make them stand out, like having eyes that are wide or, you right. know, anything that could be like that. And she's no different than that, you know? No, but I could see where she probably had to grow into it. So she probably had like a very insecure. Oh, and I bet she got teased a lot. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when. He asks her to marry him. She gets a nosebleed. This is not in the book. There is one in uh, allegedly in the book, but it's Harriet getting a nosebleed. Okay. But they kind of shifted it around. I think it was a real weird choice. Not sure why they did that. I was worried about her medically. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Well, and it was a real one because Anya Taylor-Joy gets frequent nosebleeds oh, and got one on cue while filming. And so it's a real nosebleed wow. in the scene. Okay. Yeah. And those are your fun facts. Well, think of those fun facts. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So this movie came out in 2020. What do you think the production budget was for it? 30 million. I'm going to go 45. Okay. Fortunately for this movie, the budget was lower than that. It was $10 million. Okay. Oh, this looks amazing for $10 million. I think they did a great job. Good for them. If you adjust for inflation, I realize that was just three years ago, but if you adjust for inflation, that's $11.5 million. I thought Damn. it was one of those movies they just released streaming during 2020 after they were like, oh, movies are shut down. So, yeah, I wanted to get into that because this movie got a very small release and it premiered in February. Oh, OK. It technically premiered February of 2020, February 21st of 2020, but it was only in five theaters. It was going to build up to a bigger release, I'd imagine. But as it was building up to a bigger release. So was a disease. Building yeah, up so was COVID. So, release. yeah. yeah. But and, and I'll talk about that a little bit, but it was only in five theaters and it was 25th in the box office, which is not bad for only being in five theaters. But the number one movie that weekend was Sonic the Hedgehog. Number two was The Call of the Wild. Number three was Birds of Prey. Number four was Bad Boys for, for Life. And number five was Brahms the Boy 2. I'm here to tell you that both Sonic the Hedgehog and Birds of Prey were better than this movie. I am not at all surprised by that. Sonic the Hedgehog is fantastic. Dude, Sonic the Hedgehog is a good movie. Franchise. <laughs> but how much do you think it made in its opening weekend? Uh, like 25 grand or whatever. No, I think this probably made like 4 million opening weekend. Oh, no. It was only in five theaters, Paige. It made oh, five theaters. Sorry, I missed that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 42K. Okay. It actually made 
a little bit better than that. It was $234,000. But then the next week it went up to 97 theaters and made $1.4 million. And then I think it's big like national release was supposed to be on the 6th uh. of March, and it was. They went into into 1,500 theaters. Three weeks after that was lockdown, I think. Yeah, so check this out. So literally that next week in the 13th, it was in 1,700 theaters, but that was its last week. Yeah. Because theaters shut down, right? So what do you think it made total domestically? Eight. Eight million, I'm assuming? Uh-huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big. Okay. I'm going to go six. Six million. It actually did a little bit better. It made ten million dollars, literally just right. over ten million dollars, and it made another sixteen point three million dollars internationally for a total of twenty six point four million dollars. So it did make money, not a lot of money, but it did make money. If you adjust that for inflation, that's roughly thirty point four million dollars today. It did go to streaming almost immediately, uh, although it yeah. does it did make about. Almost 1.7 million in domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. So it made money. Yeah, it did. I'm not surprised this made money because like all the Jane Austen people would have gone to see this. Agreed. So that's your box office. But do we still think they're together? Yeah. Yeah. Because like she has no choice. Right. I was going to say she literally has no choice. So I think they're together. Maybe not happily. Mm -hmm. I think they're probably happy too. I think that they might be. Let's do the. uh... Yeah. Romance scale? Yeah, let's hit him with that romance scale, Mikey. Yeah, scale of one to ten, how romantic we found the film. Uh, what do y'all think? I hated this, so I'm gonna give it a two because they yeah, do build some too. chemistry, but I don't okay, like this okay, either. Okay, but I do feel at the end of the movie they did actually love each other, so there was a little bit there, but not a lot. I yeah, I'll give it a two for the chemistry they built. I I wish it had happened earlier so we could have enjoyed it more. Yes, same. I, I think I'm gonna go with the two as well because like I want to. It's not a quality film, and they do have some a couple of good scenes in the last 15 minutes, but that's it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's uh, our romance scale. Yeah. So this week I made you watch Emma, and guys, I seriously so sorry about that. I just want you to pick a movie you've seen. That's all. <laughs> that's all I want. I honestly am sort of out of movies that I know that we've done. Anyway, so I, I'm like picking for movies I haven't seen yet. But Paige, what movie are you going to make us watch next week? So next week, we are traveling back to 2006, the year I graduated high school. Yeah. For a movie that was very popular right around the time when I graduated high school and went into my freshman uh, year of college. And that is John Tucker Must Die. Ooh, All right. I've actually never seen this movie. So I'm uh, looking forward to visiting it for the first time. I'm very excited we get to go on this journey with you. <laughs> there was a guy at my high school that looked like the actor that played John Tucker, and it was like a big deal. All right. Well, your homework for next week is to revisit 2006 with like, you know, some big accent belts for no reason and watch yes. John Tucker Must Die. Yeah. If you have layers, bring them out. Yes. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Heck yeah. Well, whose review are you going to read this week, Mikey? Kiara Daly. Well, what does Kiara have to say? One of the best, most reliably funny podcasts. Awesome. Three friends who have great rapport and seem to genuinely enjoy one another. They are hilarious and obviously put an immense amount of work into each episode. Oh, why thank you. Oh, Todd's going to be so bad about this review. 
Why? Oh no! Though most of the work clearly is on Paige's shoulders. Oh, Todd does all the production. Oh my god! I, pre pre episode is on yes. my shoulders. Paige does yeah. a lot of work, and then when we record, her work is done, and then I pick up. And yours yeah. begins. It's not yes. that Paige doesn't work; it's that I also do a shitload. It's a great pod to have on in the background. Okay. <laughs> Paige's insistence on singing, singing in, on every episode is grating. What? <laughs> this is a five star review. Yes. 20 minutes left in the most recent episode, and she found a reason to sing four different times. It's a lot. Five you know stars. I'm never going to change. Don't change, Paige. I love it. Uh, Don't do a thing differently. <laughs> Thank you so much for the five star review, and I, I will say constructive criticism. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't read that part into the video. If you ever needed more proof that does Mikey read the review before he starts reading it, that's it. He does not. So hopefully that changes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want Mike to read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at rampage wesley everywhere including tiktok except for twitter where she is at page wesley mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome everywhere and guys we got a p.o box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a p.o box it's actually not a p.o box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 nolensville road number 108-34 brentwood tennessee 37027 so send us some stuff yeah that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm todd and you complete us to completion stop my carriage bye this movie was balls nerds (laughs) 